Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, everybody. Thursday, April 22nd, week 14, episode 13 of THS. Here in this 2021 NHL 56-game campaign, rocking all over the United States and Canada. And we're going to talk about it all today as the playoff races heat up. About 10, 11 games left for most teams, unless you're the Vancouver Canucks, who have about 17 Got to finish things up here in a few hours for the Canucks. They want to try and get in. And we're going to talk about it all show long here. And as always, we'll head out to the great city of Buffalo in New York. We'll talk to Joe Yurden. We'll catch up with the Sabres, how they're finishing out their season. We'll also talk about the Eastern Division. We'll then head out to Chicago. And we'll talk to Tab Bamford. And we'll talk some Hawks. Big win last night. Stand tight there in the Central. And we'll also talk about that crazy Central Division. We'll head up north to Montreal. We'll talk to Costa Papoulias. Habs, fun game last night. They're staying in the mix. They're holding on to their playoff spot. And as always, last but not least, we will head out to the West Coast and join our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, who along with the Buffalo Sabres, his New New Jersey Devils have also been officially eliminated from the 2021 uh, National Hockey League playoffs. But... We also like to talk to Steve about the Western Division and West Coast hockey. And, and man, that's probably one of the, uh, if not, uh, you know, I mean, they're all great divisions. Is the East Division the best? We don't know. But the West is pretty damn good, too. Vegas clinches with the win last night. First team to clinch a spot. They're the best team in the league. The best team in the world in Vegas. And, um, you know, congratulations to them. And now everybody else has to follow behind, and this will be happening here over the next uh, week to two weeks. Not only teams clinching, but also securing their spot, one, two, three, and four. And then things will get going here the uh, second, third week of May. I'm not sure exactly. But anyway, um, ten games on the schedule tonight. I'll run through those real quick in a minute. Uh, Let's talk about the four games that went on last night. Like I said before, the Hawks, big win in OT, 5-4. Uh, huge two points for them. Preds hang on to another point uh, as they have just, you know, stormed back and, and climbed up over the, the Hawks now. And, and now the, the the Stars are in the mix there, too. And, and they've got a big game tonight as well uh, as it's, uh, you know, Preds, Hawks, uh, Preds, Stars, and then Hawks uh, for that last fourth spot. So a lot of fun going on there in the Central Division. Uh, out West, the Wild beat the Yotes 4-1. to Then the Knights, like I said, beat the Sharks 5-2. And the Habs, big win against the Oilers last night, 4-3. Good stuff from them, and we'll get into that later with Costa, uh, no doubt. All right, so as far as the games tonight, we've got 10 of them on tap. All big games. Again, we'll look here and, you know, I don't know, who's is the Sens and the, and the Canucks game very big tonight? I, I don't think so. Is the, is the Columbus game big? Maybe for more for the Bolts, right? But anyway, Leafs are at the Jets tonight. Flyers at the Rangers. Rangers have to basically win every game, as do the Flyers, if they want to get a sniff for, hold on, the, the sniff is probably gone, right? They, they got to just win if they want to get in. The Bruins are at the Sabres tonight. I think the Bruins have two, the Sabres, I got to double check this, and then uh, and the, and the Rangers have have two with the Sabres next week. 
Um, so, I mean, the Bruins are just looking so good, um, you know, as far as the, the points there within the division and, and the games that are remaining and everything else. I, I, you know, I, the Bruins would just have to just have a disaster uh, of the last 10 games to not clinch that fourth spot or maybe even get that third spot away from the Penguins. Uh, Caps and Owls, the two big guys here in the East going at it. They're going to be playing for uh, first in the division. Uh, Isles have seemed to have righted their ship there since the trade deadline. Uh, big win against the uh, the Rangers the other night. Uh, that's just a super game on tap. Manta playing very well with the Caps since he joined them. So I think that might be a game of the night uh, on the schedule. Columbus at the Bolts. You know, Columbus is basically punched out. Bolts obviously need the points. They want to keep that first place, get that first place in the division uh, for the Central there. And uh, so, you know, they're just going to keep firing away. Canes at the Cats. Both of these two teams, Florida and uh, Carolina, both playing uh, very well. Again, they don't have to worry about making the playoffs. It's just a matter of how they're going to finish up uh, either one, two, or three. <clears throat> Devils at Pittsburgh. We'll get into the Devils here with uh, Stevie later, and, and it's just a more of a bigger game for Pittsburgh. They just need the points. Devils are just trying to play spoilers here with what they have left in the season. Stars, like I said, right between Nashville. Great comeback here for them. In addition to Nashville, you know, uh, as far as, you know, jumping over Chicago, who had uh, gone on a good run this uh, whole season, uh, they're at the wings. They grabbed those two points tonight. Uh, and they make it pretty interesting with Chicago and um, uh, Nashville both off tonight. Then you got the Avs and the Blues. Huge game here, more for the Blues. Avs want it too. Again, they want that top spot in the division if they can grab it from Vegas and uh, stay ahead of Minnesota as well. And then rounding it out is the Senators and the Canucks. Welcome back to the league, Vancouver. As they, um, I think they have 17 games left. And uh, I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to do it, and they're going to make this whole thing right with the schedule. They're pulling it off, and they're playing pretty well out of the gate. So um, good for the Canucks, and we'll see what happens. Well, wouldn't that be a story if they just, you know, found a way? It snuck in the playoffs. Probably won't happen, but hey, there it is. All right, let's take a quick look at the uh, standings again. VGK, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, on top of the league with 68 points and clinched the first playoff spot uh, in the playoffs for the NHL. Right after that, the Canes are at 65 points. Uh, second, Florida Panthers, 65 points. Abs in fourth at 64 points. The Bolts in fifth at 62 points. The Caps in sixth at 62. The Isles in seventh with 62. And then you have the um, Minnesota Wild there in eighth with 61 points. The Leafs drop down to ninth in 61 with 61 points. Pittsburgh, 10th place, 61 points. Boston in 11th with 58 the Jets, 57 points in 12th. The Oilers in 13th with 56. The New York Rangers in 14th place with 52 points, but that doesn't get you in the playoffs, unfortunately. If they were in any other division, they'd be in. Uh, Nashville there in 15th as far as, you know, this is the top 16 in the league uh, with 52 points. And the Stars right now with 50 points in 16th, also not in a playoff spot if it ended today. So there's your standings right now. And as far as who's hot, McDavid is still running the uh, he's running the sheets there uh, in the league. 77 points, 10, 11 games left. I don't know. We were all pulling for him to get this um, 100-point season. I don't know. That's a, that's a tough mark. I don't, I don't know if the math is there for him to do that. Uh, Matthews still has 33 goals, still has or has 33 goals here uh, leading the league. McDavid, again, with 52 assists, leading the league in assists. Um, Vasilevsky there in Tampa Bay still leading goalies with 27 wins, and Grubauer holding on to the shutout lead. With five. So there you go. Um, you know, as far as the rest of the big news in the league, that's pretty much it, man. It's it's just playoff time. 
you know, just looking at the divisions here in terms of how everybody's going to end up, uh, you know, 10, 11 games, more games here. You know, a couple of games have to, a couple of games in hands, how that's going to play out here. We're just going to sit back and watch it. And, um, you know, basically buckle up, man. This is it. Playoffs are coming. Ladies, too. Just buckle up. Get your, uh, you know, if your team's not going to make it, you know, uh, you're still going to get a great playoff series. I think the playoffs this year are just going to be amazing. All the teams, uh, you know, the play throughout the whole season has been kind of playoff hockey uh, with the division play. And I think it's just going to just go to another level once we get in there. And I don't know. I, I you know, I, I was calling for the Caps as a favorite for me to win the Cup. But look, man, you look at Vegas, you look at Colorado, you look at, um, you know, Edmonton, Winnipeg playing well. You know, Toronto's got to be in the mix there. The Caps, the Islanders. You know, as long as Sidney Crosby and Malkin are still on the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, they've always got a shot at it, too. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be a lot of fun stuff. You know, see what happens in terms of um, who's going to come out of this and who's going to uh, take the gamut. But we'll all be there at the end, right? Stanley Cup Finals here uh, at some point in July. Uh, some of us will be on the beach. Some of us will be in our rooms in the AC on. But it's all coming up, uh, and we appreciate everybody here. Hard to believe, 14th week here. Uh, game plan is with the guys. We're going to continue here through the playoffs and have some fun. Obviously, the guys, in addition to talking about the teams in their cities here uh, with with us here at THS, we've been talking about the respective divisions. So uh, we'll continue to have fun. It looks like um, Costa, might, his, you know, Montreal might be the only team out of the four guys here, uh, the five guys including me with the Rangers, uh, that are going to make the playoffs. Obviously, the Hawks are still going for it. But the Devils and the Sabres are out. Rangers maybe don't have a prayer left. They've got to win everything. And uh, Montreal, I think, is like an eight-point cushion. So I think they'll be okay as far as their schedule and everything else. And, of course, that's enough of me, folks, because it's time to start bringing my THS linemates on the show. And, as always, we start the face-off circle with the great Joe Yard. Let's go up to the great city of Buffalo in New York. Talk some officially eliminated Buffalo Sabres. And we'll check in on this Eastern Division. Joe, what's going on, buddy? Welcome back. Wally, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's good to be back. It's good it's to see you. It's cold up there, man. It's a little chilly down here on the island. I got the heater going on down here in, in, the, in the office. Uh, in the well, I, I'll tell you, we had a couple inches of snow yesterday. So that what? was, uh, yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> we had a couple inches of snow. All the trees were covered. It looked like Christmas time. And uh, I'm looking outside now, and there's hardly any snow left. It all melted during the day. So, yeah. It's oh. nice to get that little kick once in a while to be like, remember where you live, pal. Good remember stuff. where? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? As long as it doesn't snow next month when it's May, and you know, we're just like, listen, I just want to go sit outside all day, please. It's like that please. old that old Irish uh, polar bear joke. I don't know if you ever heard of it. When the polar bear looks up at his mother and says, "Mommy, am I a polar bear?" and she says, "Of course, honey, you are. Why are you asking? Because I'm freezing." <laughs> <laughs> so yes if it gets warm in buffalo don't ever forget it's buffalo and it could just snow know where, just know where you came from that's or know where you are rather it's I, I mean i'm not from here originally but i respect i respect the climate i understand people get mad when it snows here and i'm just like guys you're, you're from here you, you know how this is you've seen it snow in may everybody's got a uh snow plow in the driveway right right you don't shut it down till july it's pretty, it's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> I got to get back up there. You know, funny thing, Joe, before we get into the hockey here, I'm, uh, I had a guy send me down a couple of uh, 
beach clubs, I guess, or on the lake up there for for beach bars and stuff. He's trying to okay. plugging me to get one of my bands to come up there. Um, so Soleil up there or something, or the okay s- some of the beach clubs or whatever. We're checking into it, so maybe I'll come up and have a margarita with you this summer. I was to say this is probably are the uh, the Lake Erie uh, beachside places. Yeah, I know there was one uh, that was called Mickey Rats. Where yes, it was that's like, one of the places you mentioned. Yeah. That is, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if it was still open or not. I guess, it, I guess yeah. it still is. If they're, if they're, I pitching couldn't believe you guys had bars on the water up there. I had, was like, Lake, what Buffalo? The Lake Erie, <laughs> uh, the the beautiful Lake Erie uh, beachside uh, up here. I don't know. I don't know how beautiful it is. Maybe, maybe you got to Maybe you got to go a little bit north. Go up to uh, Lewiston and get the Lake Ontario taste of it. But uh, I hear but you yeah. can't go outside in Ontario. Everybody's everything's locked down. Wow, on our side of the on our side oh, okay. of the border, we could we could stand on the lake shore and just wave to everybody and say, "Hey!" And they got to oh, look at us from like a telescope inside the house or something. Things turn around up there for bad our, news up there, man. Brothers in uh, in Canada. All right, buddy. So anyway, like I said, maybe I'll come up and we'll uh, we'll do a uh, Sabers uh, you know pre training camp podcast. Dude, you know, I'm all for it. Summer, and we'll see what's going on. So look, here we go, brother. Uh, two and two in the last four, officially eliminated. Um, got back to back with Boston, and then a couple coming up with my New York Rangers here. Um, so what, what's the, was there a parade or anything for the official elimination? Anything <laughs> special going on up there? Uh, I think, I think everybody was just like, oh, all right, we can stop thinking about this now. Like, <laughs> not that there was any hope whatsoever of, of making the playoffs. That was, that was not going to happen, but you know what? Everybody here is finally distracted by how, how well they've played. Uh, since Don Granado has come on and, and, and how well some of these guys that everybody kind of gave up for dead, uh, in the last year or so thinking that these prospect prospects weren't going to pan out. And that was, you know, it was just going to be a lost cause for the next, you know, God knows how many years. So people are, people are okay with that. Now, of course I was at the game Tuesday night against Boston. Yes, we saw the pictures, Joe. We love it when you're at the building. And let me tell you, it? it was it was probably the, the one of the worst games they played under Don Granado. So it was a nice oh, throwback to sorry, uh, the Kruger Joe. years. So, uh, yeah, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give them this. They played a stronger third period. I think they, they put up 17 shots on goal in the third period. They only, they, they had, what was it? 30, 32 shots total in the game. So they, so they outdid their 40 minute production one period. And it was it was one of those games where both coaches post game were just like I could not stand our game I hated our game <laughs> like but I mean Buffalo came out really bad at the beginning of each of the first and second periods and Boston scored goals in, in those in those times early in in the first and the second that's all they needed mm-hmm. to put it away and I mean Tuca I mean listen Tuca's back from injury he played unbelievable he was. <laughs> He made a stop on Dylan Cousins on a power play in the first period. That's just just a sick save. Like Cousins put everything he had on it. Thought he had a yawning net. Rask kicks, you know, kicks across the crease and just gets a glove on it, knocks it away. Just an unbelievable stop. So it, that to me was Boston playing at probably about thirty percent of how good they can actually play. And coming away with a win, and I'm just like, geez, if they can play a 60 minute game, they would have won eight to nothing in that game because Buffalo had nothing for two periods, and you know they had more in the third just because Boston was just kind of in, you know, let's let's hold on to this lead mode. But uh, but it was you know a lot of bad penalties out of Boston, and the Sabers power play had nothing, had no juice, mm-hmm. so it was just just a total stink fest of a game. But it, but Cassidy summed it up right. He said, "This this this is a bad game from both teams who have played a ton of hockey lately." Yeah. And I was like, 
well, good luck to you because you got a back-to-back coming up here in a couple of days, and you know it's the the stretch schedule doesn't get any nicer for either of these teams. So we'll see we'll see which kind of juice they got on on Thursday and Friday uh, for these last two games. But I mean, if it's anything like it was Tuesday, it's going to be a couple of gross games. Joe is um is Granado throwing? Uh, are they bringing anybody up? And I mean, how's it working with either uh, the taxi squad or? And forgive me, I can't remember how it's working with the AHL teams in, t- in mm-hmm. terms of, um, you know, bringing guys in and out right now, especially at this point of the season. And and obviously the Sabres being a unique situation here, and obviously the Devils would be another one, and, and any of the other teams here that are going to get officially eliminated here in the next couple of games. Uh, as far as the Sabres putting any any anybody, any new guys in the, in, in the sweater here uh, these past couple of games? Yeah, we've seen uh, Matias Samuelson. He was a second-round pick a couple of years ago. Big defenseman. He's the son of uh, Jell Samuelson from back in the really? Pittsburgh and Flyers Kajel? days. I used to call him Kajell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jelly's was a heck of a player. And, you know, he won a cup or two with, with the Pens back in the day. Yeah, and Tall boy. Uh, tall big boy. And Matias is just like just a chip off the old block of the old man. He's, what, six foot five. Another tree on Big skates. defenseman. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And he he hits hard. But you know what? I What I saw of him the last couple of games, I like the way he's able to – he's not afraid to jump into the play. Like, he's not a classic sort of defensive defenseman guy. He just park, park on the blue line in the offensive zone, park next to the goalie in the D zone kind of guy. Like – He's he's got some mobility. He's got the physicality. I mean, that's that's great. Um, I would love to see him play not next to Rasmus Ristolainen, <laughs> just mm-hmm. for just for not picking up bad habits reasons. Okay. Uh, I think I think that would be I think that would be better for him. But Risto is in that spot where he's now the veteran. He is the veteran defenseman on this Crazy. team. I mean, uh, you know, he's been around what seven, eight seasons now. So it's like. Okay. Yeah, seven. Yeah, six, seven seasons, something like that. I yeah, time gets What's away. What's the name from of his uh, his uh, psychologist? <laughs> his therapist. Uh, uh, good question there, but uh, yeah. So like, but like Matthias, you know, I mean, that's a couple of big dudes as uh-huh. as a D pairing. Like that's a that's an '80s throwback pair where like if you're if you're skating into the skating into the offensive zone, you got these two guys standing up to you, just like geez, let me throw the puck in the corner, yeah. and hopefully I don't get killed trying to go get it back. But uh, but I'm I'm really interested to see what else they're gonna what we see from Samuelson. I we'll see how much longer he stays up because uh, Will Borgen is is now healthy. He's gonna be back in the lineup for them on Thursday night. So uh, he's another hard ass heavy hitter physical guy like will punch you in the face for looking at him looking at him sideways so um that's that's a bit of an element that's been missing from the Sabres blue line for uh let me look at my watch now uh <laughs> roughly 15 years 20 years um that's uh, so uh I'll be I'll be excited to see what what Borgen can do he's coming back from a broken arm uh, that he that he suffered before so uh be really curious to see how how he fits back into the mix so because uh, he's a guy that I mean, he's he as much as I say Samuelson's a defensive defenseman. Borgen is that times two, because uh, Borgen's offensive skills aren't really not not really something to write home about. But uh, but man, he is a, you don't want to get into a corner with him uh, in the offense, like going up against him defensively. I just wouldn't want to deal with him. Just he's just a physical punishing sort of hitting hitting guy. And if you want to drop the gloves with him, good luck to you. I mean, he's not your classic college boy. Where you think like you know okay whatever this guy can't throw no he can throw he's he's a Minnesota guy with some with some cement fists. Wow, 
Well, that's good to uh, to look forward to in case there's any uh, bench clearing brawls here in the last few games, Joe. That'll hey, you come never know Boston, man. Like, What's hey, <laughs> never know a Boston. You, know, you get sideways on Boston, suddenly you're going to be in a few fights. Well, let me ask you, um, uh, yeah, if, if I'm a scout for the New York Rangers, and let's say for argument's sake, the Rangers beat the Flyers in the next two games. All okay. right. Um, you know, since we last spoke, they, they, you know, they won the Sabres beat Washington and they beat Pittsburgh. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking here, like in terms of the, the attitude of the team here, obviously Granado and the guys are coaching the squad and, and the outlook for the, for the rest of the way. Um, and you know, they're, they're definitely, they, they don't seem like they're going to be pushovers at least. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about how these guys should just kind of just let be free and easy and play and stuff like that. So within the last four games here, and obviously the the loss of the Bruins, and obviously another two tough games here, and and the Bruins basically know they can just basically put a nail in the Rangers' coffin here, just keep winning here, and and they they, they look at these four games with the Sabres and stuff like that. But for argument's sake, and we'll have some fun here, because what else are we going to do, Joe, with the Buffalo (laughs) Sabres, but have a little fun here. But if I was looking at the fact that the Rangers uh, took the two against the Flyers, and they do, uh, you know, when they do play the Sabres back-to-back there, the Rangers are, are... what kind of a team are they kind of be going to be looking at as as opposed to you know how the Caps you know when they lost them how Pittsburgh lost how did, how did the Sabers win those games against those two teams? Well, the thing that the thing the Rangers have to do is they're going to have to throw out all the tape that they had from playing the Rangers uh, from playing the Sabers earlier this season because okay. none of that applies like okay, cool. almost That's none of that know, will yeah. apply. Um, everything they got to watch is from these these last few games. I would say even throw away the the tape from this game against Boston on Tuesday because that. That was as close to a a, Kro- a Kruger throwback game as it was than it was anything that we've seen under Granado. Like that was that was falling on on old bad habits in that game, and I think that was a lot of that's due to Boston just being. I mean, Boston for as much as Bruce Cassidy said that he didn't think that they played well when they decided that it was their time to own the game, they did. <laughs> like that's I mean that's what Boston can do. That's what they're capable of doing. But with, in Buffalo's case, I'm expecting them to be a completely different kind of team coming out here these these next couple of games because I don't think I don't think you know Granado's shown that he wants these guys to play freer. He wants them to play to their strengths. So like you're seeing, you know, and it's not like they were lacking on chances against against Boston, you know, especially in the third period. But like you're seeing guys like Casey Middlestat take control a little bit more with the puck and driving the net and creating, you know, using the the opportunities that they're given to, to, to create odd man chances and to just really put it back on them. What they're able to really do for the most part is really push on the forecheck too, um, is that they're, they're attacking all over the ice as opposed to waiting for you at the red line or at the blue line and saying like, all right, well, we'll just keep skating backwards until you get too close to us. And then we're going to keep skating backwards and let you do, do some more. Love that like they don't, they don't do that so much now they did it against Boston. Cause I think there was a, there's a bit of a fear factor there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just because it was, I mean, they had, they had seen them, you know, a few days, you know, a few days before in a three-two shootout loss, um, where they got a little bit of a taste of that. that. I mean, that was Taylor Hall's first game with with Boston after that trade. So, um, so maybe there was a little bit of like, mm, I don't know how these guys are going to do. Like, we'll see what's going on here. But, um, but they, what Buffalo's been good at is attacking all over the ice and trying to force teams to make bad decisions deeper into their own zone so that's 
that's a good thing. One thing they were doing a lot under Kruger was just kind of backing off and just letting teams, you know, get a lot of ice and, and get ahead of steam. And you, you can't really win a lot of games if you're just if you're just backing your way in. And they don't really do that now. So they, you know, so they've used that to take advantage of some of their speed up front. You know, they don't have a ton of speed, but like they have guys that are skilled and they can get away with it. You know, you have your skinners, you got, you know, middle stats played so much better. Reinhardt's been really good at center. Um, you know, even Olofsson's improved a little bit here um, further up the ice now that he's able to get freer because they're taking advantage of those plays up the ice. Okay. And, uh, you know, so like there, there's, there's a lot of that there going on, but um you know, there, there's still old habits that, you know, they're still shaking off, but they've been a lot better about doing it. So that's made them a better team. And that's, I mean, as far as you're concerned with Buffalo, like that's, you're, you're happy with that. But if you're the Rangers, be ready for, for more of a full ice push, because uh, if you're not, you're going to get passes picked off. You're going to be, you're going to be giving up a lot of chances. And you're going to be asking Igor to do a lot of standing on his head. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see how the Rangers do play the rest of the way, whether they, you know, do over these couple of games, the elimination. And because this team, too, is, you know, I mean, we, we joke about the Sabres being eliminated and the Devils being eliminated, and it's going to start happening for Ottawa and Anaheim here in the next, you know, week or so. But, you know, uh, as tough as the league has been this year with the division, and it's funny because if the Rangers were in any other division right now, I think they'd be in a playoff spot. It's just because of the East of where they're mm-hmm. at. Um, but they're, you know, they're obviously a, a lot more skill talent and uh, season talent on the Rangers and stuff, but it'll be interesting how they play the rest of the way. Um, you know, I know Zach Jones, I think is getting a, a shot in here today with the, you know, with all their prospects and everything else. Uh, and the only reason I'm bringing up the Rangers in this aspect, uh, up against the Sabres is that it, the, the Rangers season is probably going to be over too soon here. So mm-hmm. looking at these two franchises moving forward, um, you know, having to rebuild the Rangers are a little bit ahead of that. Um, but the Sabres themselves got so much to do, and even on the PR side of it, um, you know, with everything that's changed, their coaching, what they're going to do in the draft. So w- one other thing I want to ask, did, I know you were in the building the other night. Were the fans mm-hmm. in the back in the buildings in Buffalo yet? They were not. Um, not I yet. mean, they, ha- they have been for some of the weekend games, but they were not in the building on Tuesday. So. Oh, why did they make that kind of a decision? Uh, you're, I think it's because they didn't do so well with the ticket sales for weekend games. So they were just like, let's maybe not do this for a weekday game in a bad situation. Um, it's that bad. It's that it was, bad, well, Joe. It was. <laughs> oh, I can't well, Tuka well, Rask was asked after the game, oh, you know, man. how how what it was like, you know, not having fans in the in the building again. Like, you know, what was the atmosphere and. Tuca said something along the lines of like, he's like, yeah, it was a little bit surprising. I thought, you know, you know, things were things were, uh, you know, kind of getting back to, to the way it was. So it was a little bit like it was earlier in the season. And, and he said something like he goes, he goes, he goes, I don't know. I thought they they had fans in the building here, but I guess they're not doing it for games during the week. He's like, I don't know. I mean, that's a visiting player saying that. Yeah. So I don't know how much there is, but I would tend to believe him because <laughs> he probably <laughs> he probably came out for warm ups and go, wait a minute, where are the fans? What's going on here? So wow. and he's he's asking the guy he's asking, you know, he's probably asking Tokarski or, or somebody at, at center ice during warm ups going, hey. Where are your fans at, man? Like, what's going on here? But, uh, but yeah, it was it was still weird. I was I was just kind of like, what's happening here? Like, what's what's the deal? But I don't know. Uh, I don't well, I don't understand it. Like, but, but like, they they could have up to what nineteen hundred seven fans. Like by the yeah. by the state standards, what ten percent? They could have nineteen hundred seven, but I think 
trying to remember the number that I heard that they had for for one of those games a week or two ago, and it was not good at all. Like, you know, it's funny like, down here. On really Long Island, not good. Oh, down here on Long Island, the um, the legislature down here they're they're trying to push to the governor about. I think either t- they're asking for twenty five to fifty percent for the Islanders yeah. for the playoffs. I mean, that's a huge difference maker. It's a Isles. massive difference. And the, ha- and the Caps can't have any fans. Isles fans. Forget it, man. Like, that's going to be as loud as a full building. I don't know if you watched the game the other night, and I, I brought it up on my Rangers show the other night. There's a Islander fan way up in the top, and he's got a yeah. bucket and, I guess, a soup spoon. And oh, it's no. really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Get him out of there. That, that, was a, that was a bad night for the Rangers. Yes, it, it was. was. Well, let's let's fly in here into the Eastern Division here now, Joe, and, and 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 get your take on what's happening here. Obviously, the Caps and the Isles have a big game tonight. I mean, this is really just for you know playing for the top spot, and you know for Trots. You know, I guess these two teams, as far as making the moves, Math has played really well for the Caps since he's joined them, and obviously, um, you know, Zajac here and Palmieri, and and the Islanders getting a couple of guys back, Bailey and stuff. Uh, you know, they they, they kind of had. What I said that you know Barry had to sail his ship sailing again. He's got everybody. Uh, those guys got a couple more games as far as his system and everything else. And the Islanders kind of looked pretty damn well, not only shutting the Rangers down, but also scoring goals, which they, they had been having trouble too. Um, yeah. So that game tonight, you know, Pittsburgh's still in the mix. They're uh, hanging on to uh, third, but the way Boston's playing, that third and fourth spot might change. And as far as destiny here, and the Rangers and the Flyers and what they've got left to do, they basically have to go into the feed and, and the Boston. Bruins and the Pittsburgh Pens would just have to have some kind of catastrophe here in the last 10, 12 games. So uh, a little summary there, Joe. What's your take here on the final run here in these last 10, 11 games? Well, I, I, in, in the shortcoming here, uh, suddenly the Rangers are big Sabres fans uh, because they got to deal with Boston and they got Pittsburgh coming up here. So they, they got to be rooting hard for, for Buffalo to, to, to catch a heater here and, and get hot. But they got, but those teams have got to take care of business themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think you know, when it comes to Washington Islanders, I'm very interested to see what the Islanders do here coming up because they're now finally fully healthy for the first time in a, in a while. Like Clutterbuck's getting back. And I know that's not like a that's not like a, ma- a game breaker, but like, boy, he plays awfully well. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a very a really strong good personality. Player. Yeah, he's a strong personality in that team, too, though, man. Yeah. He's a great guy to have man. on the bench, man. Absolutely. And he's and he's a shift disturber. I have to be careful how I say that a shift disturber. I mean, you can take it the other way and it's also (laughs) correct. But um, but it's but but he's the kind of guy that that gets in there and just gets, you know, gets stuck in your craw and you hate him on the other team. You don't want to deal with him. So and that fits in with the way the Isles want to play. They want to frustrate you. They want to make you. They make they want to make you want to punch your way out of things and take penalties and, and be stupid. That makes it easier for them to score, that's for sure. But uh, but the Caps, I mean, geez, Mantha looks like a whole new whole new player in Washington. I mean, he we knew he was good in Detroit, and it's like what we discussed when you know after the trade deadline that you know he he and Verona they just needed a change of a change of address. Now things in Detroit are totally different than they are in Washington. Mm-hmm. So Washington getting Mantha at like peak ability is is makes them a freakish offensive show as far as i'm concerned because yeah. now you got because now you're looking at that left side of the ice and you got ovi on one line you got mantha coming in on another one and you're just like oh my god how do you deal with this and their top two scoring lines are just dynamic and you still got wilson you know being tom wilson and you know being a roughneck caps plays 
sneaky to slash really dirty <laughs> sometimes. I mean, Garnet Hathaway's become like a really nasty person to play against. Tom Wilson, I mean, his, you know, the reputation's earned. But like the Caps play a nasty sort of style of hockey. So like that, them and the Isles, I'm really hoping that that comes down to be the divisional final, you know, and that's not the slight Pittsburgh, Boston, or the Rangers, or anybody, you know, anybody's still left involved. But Washington Caps, uh, uh, Caps Isles divisional final is going to be a blood war mm-hmm. when it comes down to it because holy cow, those uh, like that's give me seven straight of those and those teams are going to be killing each other after 40 minutes of game one. They're going to be they're going to be out for blood against and each you got, other. You got Labs and Trots behind the benches, man. Exactly. You know, Labs so, I mean, wants like, to get back to the dance in the worst way, mm-hmm. and Trotz does too, and he'd yeah. love nothing more than taking his old team out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, the drama is is up and down up and down the list for that, for that potential showdown. It's just uh, like – Look at Joe. Like, let's write, I tell you, Joe, let's write it down right now. Meat tell grinder Pittsburgh ball. and Boston to stay home. We want Isles and Caps. <laughs> That's it. But you know what, though? Like – like there's drama for all of these teams. Like, I mean, Boston, we already know what Boston's capable of doing when it gets to the playoffs. Like they can be as nasty with people, you know, Kevin Miller gets back and they're healthy. Suddenly they got, they got a bodyguard back on the blue line. Like, like Oh, he's, he's, he's Rask getting back. And if he gets hot here and he stays healthy, Mm -hmm. like he even said after the game, like he's, you know, he's feeling good. Like, Injuries or whatever, but like yeah, he's fine. But like if he's on, okay, great. Like he's suddenly the best. He's the best goalie out of the out of those top four teams. Yeah, wow. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. Not at all. Just, uh, that's a good point, Joe. You know, so like that's that's. I mean, playoffs. And we we get we get on it all the time. Playoffs is about getting the hot goalie. You got the hot goalie, you're gonna go far. And I mean, geez, Rask gets in there if he's hot good luck. I mean, you know, if you're the caps of the aisles, maybe you don't, you don't want to deal with Boston, but you don't want to deal with Pittsburgh either. Like you'd want to deal with Crosby. No, no, no. Thank you. I don't want to deal with, I don't want to deal with freaking Crosby in the playoffs. Like get lost. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, please. Oh, let me see. We, we could either have Tuka Rask and the Bruins and the, and the, you know, the pasta Marshan Bergeron line, or you get Sidney Crosby and, and, you know, maybe a healthy Malkin by the time the playoffs start. Great. Cool. I love the playoffs. Love to have my choice of frying pan or fire. Like that's <laughs> great. I, it's super. But like, uh, but like that's. I mean, Jesus. I mean, the way this is shaking out. I mean, I think before the season began, you could say that you had these four teams pegged for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think you had this order. You know, because I don't think I don't I don't I don't imagine a lot of people figure Washington and the Isles would be pushing for number one. And I don't think a lot of people thought people think that Boston would be in the spot for fourth. Uh, but like, that's what we're kind of looking at. I mean, listen, we got a ton of games left. to Yeah, go I was going to say this could change, too, man. This, I mean, this could change. The Isles and the Caps not are not necessarily glued into that one no. and two spot. No, not at all. And like, it's Boston's weird got a couple like, of games in hand. Right. And we, we're looking back like a couple of weeks ago and Boston was slipping in so that we were just like. Hey, the Rangers got a shot here. Like, hey, maybe they got to get in. Right, let's, like, let's change the paper here. Let's, Boston, let's, 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 Boston, wait, 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 Boston and Pittsburgh we, first we and second. 
<laughs> yeah. We want Boston and Pittsburgh in the first in the division finals. Change it all up again. So so yeah, like but like that that to me makes this division the bet like the best one for the, for the playoffs. Like I mean we but we're not know, doing Joe, a playoff preview say, yet, but like we kind of are. I know, but like, can we you kind of are. It's it is but isn't that wild as hockey fans, right? You take this division and then mm. you look at Vegas, Colorado, mm-hmm. you know, and Minnesota how they're playing and if St. Louis gets in, whatever happens here in the fourth spot, you know. Yep. And then you you know we're all going to sit back and love to see the Canadian teams destroy each other. The pressure on the Leafs, the Jets, you know, Edmonton and Montreal. And then you look at the Central, you've probably got three of the best teams in the league in there with Carolina and Tampa mm-hmm. and um and uh Florida. And, and, well, yeah, Florida, sorry. You know, and, and look what's going on with the Preds in Chicago, and the Stars are only a couple of points out, and they were I'm in the saying, finals last year. I got to crazy. rewrite the whole script, Joe. <laughs> it, like I, I want to, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a gambler type, but like I want to, I want to see a Vegas prop bet. If you can pick the, if you can pick the playoff spots right now, I want to know what kind of odds you like, what what kind of numbers and payouts you can get if you can get it 100 percent right, like seeds and everything, like what spot they come in in each division. Nail it down and and guess that, because I want to I want to know what kind of payout you get. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't get any points for getting Vegas. They're already in the playoffs. Like yeah. they just clinched. But like for everybody else, I don't know, man. Like it's it's like you said. I'm I'm looking up and down the standings here. Like you know, Minnesota's only three back. Colorado for yep. second. Like that's that's wild. The north of it north is insane. Like everybody, you know. People keep talking about Toronto. Oh, Toronto's so good. But, like, Winnipeg's four back from them, and Toronto doesn't impress me. Toronto, Toronto keeps giving up goals like they're going out of style. Like, they, I mean, played a, they, played, they lost two in a row to a team that hadn't put skates on in a month. Right. And, like, now Vancouver's <laughs> just kind of like, hey, we're only 10 points back in Montreal. We got it's a bunch of games to go. in hand 17 now. games so like, left. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's the story not, I want. I want. I want the not, Vancouver Canucks. Like, <laughs> think of how much that would twist up every like Calgary oh. and Montreal in front of them. Like if they if they take out the Habs for a yeah. playoff spot. <laughs> oh my God! They'll fire everybody in Montreal. They'll, they'll they'll sweep everybody out of town. Like that that will be the end of that. So much like, to look forward to. It's crazy. It's cra- it's crazy. And like that's what makes the East the weird one where it's like there's still so much up in the air and like nothing is settled, but like it kind of is. Like we already kind of know who their playoff teams are there. It's good it's stuff, nuts. buddy. Good it's stuff. Nuts. It's Snow. great. Snowing in Buffalo. I mean, that, that's not a bad thing maybe right now, Joe, because it's like Christmas for all us hockey fans, you know. This is, <laughs> these next couple of weeks are great. So, Joe, man, I know the fo- the fans can't see it, but, uh, you know, you got the new do going on here for the spring. I mean, you going to update that uh, profile picture on your famous Twitter account or what? Uh, maybe. I don't know. The, I don't know. The, the ski cap, the snow hat works all year round in Buffalo. So. That's true. That's true. Plus, it's a, it's a Golden Seals hat. I can't, can't really you dish out on You got to put that on a T-shirt, man. I, I may have two gold seals. We need some Joe Yarden swag. <laughs> I'll make that the shoulder logo. Just me looking yeah. all like. I like it, man. <laughs> Let's get it together, man. My brother's yeah. got some connections. Let's get some uh, Joe Yarden swag get, get going. Some merch, get some merch and swag going here. <laughs> Joe, you're the best, man. As always, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe and healthy. And uh, look, next week, man, we'll be uh, just more great stuff to talk about. as we As we move away from the Sabres, as they... Go off into the distance here in the offseason, but uh, some great playoff hockey to look forward to, man, and I'm glad you're going to be here with me for it. Hell yeah, man. Let's do it. I'm psyched. 
Scythe. You got it. Joe Yard, ladies and gentlemen, as always, from the great city of Buffalo, giving us his take on the Sabres and this decent division and the rest of the league. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. That Hockey Show rolls out. Well, all right, it's time to go out to the great city of Chicago. Hang out with our good buddy, Mr. Tad Bamford, and let's talk some Chicago Blackhawks. Keeping it interested. What a game last night. Talk some Hawks and that central division that the Hawks are trying to get back into the top four spot there to make the playoffs. Tab, what's going on, brother? Welcome back to THS. Man, if anything made sense, it would it would make sense. It was uh, it was a wild one last night, and uh, certainly in a long season that has seen ups and downs, it was an emotional high point for the Chicago Blackhawks last night. Well, we, we, our theme here with the Hawks all season long, Tab, has been they've been entertaining. So they are not disappointed yet. No. Until they I get mean, eliminated. <laughs> waiting for Russell Crowe to scream at people through the television to see if they're entertained yet. Uh, yeah, it's either either you are the happiest person in the world or you've got a bald spot from pulling your hair out this year. Chicago has been either hot or cold. But either way, plenty to talk about. So, all right, uh, no much doubt better about than it. I think we anticipated back in December when this season was getting ready to kick off with no Taves and no Doc and no Nylander. You know, projecting a top five lottery pick, and here they are, uh, at least mathematically chasing a playoff spot in a really tough Central Division. So, it's uh, they've exceeded expectations so far, but that doesn't mean that everything is rosy in Chicago. Not at all. So, look, since we spoke last week, they went 2-2 two and two in the last four. Um, their, third, their big win last night, obviously, against the Preds. Uh, Preds steal, do steal the point, but, hey, look, huge two for uh, the Hawks. Nationally again tomorrow uh, before four coming up at home, and it doesn't get any easier uh, with the Bolts in Florida. So the work's cut out for them, uh, no doubt about it. But the comeback last night, 5-2 overtime win, three goals in three minutes last night. Uh, what a trip. Hegel with the OT winner. Couple assists for him, and uh, Subban gets to start in the Nets last night. So, all hands on deck. Three points out now. Um, stars there are actually in between them and the Preds now, which is crazy. We've talked about yeah. the stars, um, and the stars are playing tonight against the Wings. So, while well, the uh, the Hawks and the Preds are off here, so you're probably looking at another two points there for the stars. Um, take it away, Tab. I mean, let's talk with the game last night, and you know. In discussing this, and we've talked about this on the show, you know, uh, the how valuable it will be to make the playoffs. The experience of being in this playoff chase, and now that the Stars have gotten involved with it, how that works out. I mean, you know, I guess it's all kind of good for a young team like this and, and, a, and a young coach as well. Um, but, you know, talk about the game last night and where you guys, where you feel these guys are in the past week. And as we look at the last, you know, 10, 11 games, the big rush to go here towards the end. Yeah, so... I don't necessarily want to be a you know a thunderstorm on the parade here, but um, going into the game last night, look, Nashville had not lost to the Blackhawks this year, and Chicago had not scored a third goal in a game against Nashville this year. So you're looking at a team that's up on you in the standings by you know going into last night. Uh, it's it's a game. It, you're, these three games were must win. Starting with and it's a weird three game set. You got one in Nashville and two in Chicago. But uh, 
all three of these were really must wins for the Blackhawks, and they go out and lay an egg in the first one. And Jeremy Colton talked about how he was okay with a lot of the performance. They had two series where they had a couple goals in the second, a couple in the third that kind of came buckshot, and then the Hawks were chasing too much. Um, the problem that the Blackhawks have had this entire season against Nashville is, look, this this is an old-school, Barry Trotz-looking Nashville Predators team. They are dogs on the puck. They get it deep. They attack in waves, and they just make your life hell. The Blackhawks have not effectively been able to get the puck out of their own zone. Lots of just stupid attempts at finding somebody open across the middle of the ice that end up in the back of the net. Lots of defenders chasing behind the net, leaving a guy wide open on the doorstep. We saw it again last night. And with the group of defensemen that they had been rolling, which included Connor Murphy, Calvin DeHaan, Nikita Zadorov, Connor Murphy, none of those guys is going to skate with the puck. I mean, Zadorov doesn't skate much in the first place. He's really a pylon. If he can catch up to you, he'll put you in the third row of the seats, but he's not going to confidently take the puck and go. The Blackhawks have a few kids sitting there. Adam Boquist was coming back out of concussion protocol. Ian Mitchell's on the taxi squad. Nicholas Bodin is watching. Where if the Blackhawks wanted to have uh, more mobile defensemen, they've got it in-house. Last night, Jeremy Calton rolled out a lineup that had seven defensemen in it, but the only real take-the-puck-and-go guy that he added to the mix was Boquist. Mitchell and Bodin were still out, of, out in the cold. Okay, so you're trying to you're, you're trying to win a game three two because he hadn't scored three against Nashville all year. Here's the problem: Calvin DeHaan has been dealing with a hip issue. He gave you a couple shifts last night, and that was it. And uh, the hip was an issue. He didn't return for the second or third period. The team announced that as the third was getting ready to jump off, but he gave you three fifty on the ice last night. If you are trying to put emphasis on improved defensive play and you need to score goals to beat a team that has not really had a problem scoring against you this year, I can appreciate the idea of rolling seven defensemen, but if one of them is dealing with a hip issue and he's not good enough to give you more than five shifts, you're going into a game with 11 forwards, you're handicapping the effort from the jump. Gotcha. And you've still got all these pylons back there that aren't able to clear the zone. So, you know, you're looking at Boquist and Kalnick both gave him about 17 and a half, almost 18 minutes of ice time last night. Kalnick had a big goal during the rally. Um, but Murphy had a brutal night last night. He got turnstiled on a few. Uh, you know, Riley Stillman still figuring out his how he fits into the mix here. Got a little bit of shorthanded time, but he was held under 15 minutes last night. So you roll seven to try and spread the minutes out. And Duncan Keith, at 72 years old, is still skating 26 and a half minutes because you sent a guy out there who wasn't going to help you get the puck out of the zone very well, and he was playing on a bad leg that led to other guys having to play increased ice time when that was the whole point of having seven defensemen. So. I'm not a huge fan of the lineup that Jeremy Colton put on the ice last night. Dylan Strom was a healthy scratch. I get it. He's, he struggled at the dot. They had Brandon Hagel come back from a false positive, missed the game in Nashville because of COVID issues. Uh, he was back, had a huge game, three points with the OT game winner. He's 
emerging as we've talked about him a lot on the show. He's a fan favorite now, somewhere between Andrew Shaw and circa 2009, Christopher Stieg. Just doesn't matter what line he's on. He grinds out every shift. He's got a lot of speed, a lot of sandpaper to his game. Offensive ability, obviously. Uh, you know, I think he's been one of the really pleasant surprises this year for the Blackhawks. But, you know, you're going into a game and Carlton is not putting together a lineup that's putting you in a position to succeed. And frankly, last night's game could have easily been 7-2 Nashville. But Malcolm Subban stood on his head. Uh, I mean, the guy faced 30 shots in the first 40 minutes. 17 of them were from the slot, which speaks to some of the defensive issues that, that we've talked about. So the, this Blackhawks team, again, emotional win, great win. Uh, if this is a catalyst for them going on a run, God bless, that that would be terrific. But they've dug themselves a hole here where you, you said Dallas has jumped them. Dallas has won four in a row. And even after last night's game, Nashville is 14-5-1 in their last 20. And they've got two games on Dallas, right? Or two points, rather, on Dallas right now. So, And then you look at Chicago's schedule, which you mentioned, and they got to go through the world beaters to finish the year. They get done with Nashville. And it isn't like they get what Dallas has right now with, you know, a couple layups against Detroit on the on the schedule. They get Tampa, Florida for two, at Carolina for three. And then they come home and finish the year with two against Dallas that by that point, the way Carolina and Florida have played against the Hawks this year may be moot. You know, it might be Dallas playing to try and jump Nashville at that point. So uh, it's really unfortunate. The, the emotions last night were great. I think the team was jacked, understandably young team, but you needed to get five out of six points in this series. And right now, after two games out of the three, Nashville has three points and the Hawks have two. You're going the wrong direction at the end of the day. And Nashville scored nine goals in the two games. So, you know, going back to that lineup situation, if the point of this year for the Chicago Blackhawks was to get young kids experience, what better experience than playoff intensity games late in the year against a team that you're chasing. I appreciate you want to get in, but the veterans that you have have not played well enough to beat Nashville yet this year. So why not mix it up? And why not do so in a way that gets Mitchell and Bowden experience? That's the point of this season for the Blackhawks. If you're building slash rebuilding and you've got young guys that you think are keys to the future, get them experience. And it's not doing them any favors for next year with Ian Mitchell on the taxi squad and Nicholas Bowden watching on television like the rest of us, there's no point. And you're putting your team behind the eight ball when you've got five of the seven defensemen that you put in the lineup not able to clear the zone themselves, relying on passes when the passing hasn't been that good for Chicago. So, again, I don't want to be the thunderstorm on the parade here. Incredible comeback, one of the best comebacks the Blackhawks have had in years. But there are still glaring problems that need to be addressed, and coaching is a big part of it. So let me just kind of throw a couple of things out there. Listen to what you were saying. Um, you know the veterans here that he's throwing out. Maybe this is it for them. I don't. I'm, you know I don't know whether uh, you know as far as trade and contracts and all that other stuff. Uh, but if that's one thing to you know that's these are gimme games because the young kids are going to have all next season. These guys aren't going to be around. So if you're going to try and get into the playoffs, ride these veterans out and let's see what happens. Uh, you know whether it's a college and two uh, a system thing for him or. Um, uh, um, again, uh, uh, could this be organizational from up top as a, an evaluation thing to just let's just, you know, whatever we win with here, but let's just go with this kind of a crew. And, and maybe that's, that's not important. And I, I, you know, 
everything we've talked about with this team, and they've gone through stretches where you know they've they've run these young guys out and played them, and now because it because of where they are in the standings, the things that have changed, the things that have shifted. Do you think that might be just a mindset as far as the organization and maybe as Colin as a coach, whereas the way they're kind of pushing here with the standings and the points where maybe not making the playoffs now has also gotten to a, that's a secondary, it's a third thing. It's not really the most important thing right now. Well, you know, and, and, you know, I I can see the devil's advocate side of, of the argument, but here's the problem. You know what Zadorov is. He's a pylon that hits people. Uh, he's physical, but he has to get his hands on you to be physical, and he hasn't been able to get a hold of anybody on the Predators team this year. So the value there is limited. You know, Connor Murphy has been, over the last few years, one of the more consistent Blackhawk skaters, but he struggles against physical speed, and that's what Nashville has all over the place. I would not advocate taking Connor Murphy out of the lineup, but I think he needs help. And that's where having somebody who can skate with the puck and move it themselves takes a little bit of pressure off of him. Calvin DeHaan, again, like if you're talking evaluation, um, you know what he is. Uh, At this point, if he keeps going out with a bad hip, all you're doing is signaling damaged goods, and it isn't like Seattle's going to take a guy that's got a bad hip in the first place. So you're actually diminishing his value by trying to force him to play when he's not physically ready to do it. So... Um, so from an evaluation perspective, I would actually flip that on you and say, if you want to know what you have going into an expansion draft, I think you've got a pretty good idea of what Connor Murphy, Calvin DeHaan, Nikita Zadorov are. I think why Kalniuk has made things interesting. Uh, he's certainly based on his performance this year and the ice time that he's been given by Jeremy Colton. It appears to have jumped Bowden and Mitchell, at least from a preference perspective with Colton. Boquist appears to be untouchable. I don't necessarily agree with that, but it seems like if he's healthy enough to go, he's going to go. But again, evaluation is something that I think getting in the playoffs this year is icing on a cake that was not expected when the season started. Mm -hmm. If I told you at Christmas that the Hawks would be without Jonathan Taves the entire season, they'd have Kirby Doc for the last third of it, and they'd be three points out of a playoff spot with about – nine games left on the calendar, you would have taken that all day. This season is already a win for the Chicago Blackhawks because you've been able to see what guys like Brandon Hagel and Kevin Lankin and, and Philip Kurashev and Kalniuk have got, what they bring to the table. But the evaluation process is not complete. And the lineup that Calton put out last night felt like he had completed his evaluation process on some of these guys, and I'm not here for it. And, you know, one of the reasons that was given, and one of the understanding points for a big part of the Blackhawks fan base in making the move from you know the, the greatest coach of this generation, Joel Quinville, to a young guy in Jeremy Calton was that you know part of Quinville's M.O. was that he didn't always want to integrate young players into the lineup. The lineup that Calton rolled out last night felt like a Quinville lineup. Yeah. I'm going with the guys that are 28 plus because they've been through the ringer before and they're known commodities, but that wasn't the point of this year. And Calton's directive should have been for Stan Bowman to know what he has with some of these young guys in pressure situations so that he can make critical decisions about the future. And I don't feel like 
you've got a full narrative written on what Ian Mitchell can do or what Nicholas Baudin can do. And last night was a game and Monday night was a game, you know, with, especially with Boquist and concussion protocol on Monday, no reason to not have one of those two guys in the lineup. But Jeremy Carlton, you know, brought in as allegedly a terrific communicator and a guy who is going to work well with the young kids. Some of the young kids he's given a lot of leash to. Others he's almost completely dismissed. And that's not going to help the team this summer when they have to make some hard decisions with who comes back, who's going to be exposed for Seattle to possibly take, and who they want to deal to make room for other players. So, you know, again, I, I understand the devil's advocate side of continuing the evaluation and trying to get in, but I feel like the young guys, A, need to be evaluated further, and B, would have put the Blackhawks more in a position to succeed because of the style of play that they needed to have on the ice last night. And, you know, at the end of the game, you see all the players losing their minds, celebrating on the ice, and Calton was behind the bench, stoic, like he expected it. And I think if you're a young coach with the team that he's had during his tenure with the Blackhawks, last night's game was the last thing that he should have expected. He should have been more emotional because that's frankly the biggest game that they've won with him as the head coach. Um, I would have liked to have seen Joel Quinville would have been fist pumping and lighting a cigar in his office (laughs) after that game. And Jeremy Colton's out there like, oh, you know what? We just beat Detroit by three in regulation. God bless. So, you know, as the season progresses here and you start getting into more critical situations and you get to the point in the season where you need to be able to fill out a report card on a lot of these guys for next year, you're going to have incompletes on guys that I feel really need to have more of a body of work for Stan Bowman to be able to adequately assess what he has for the future and what he needs to address at the draft in free agency and with some of the guys that they've got coming still in the system who might play into an NHL role next year. And another thing, Tab, too, as far as decision-making here, I mean, uh, anything to, to play on with uh, Subban getting a little more time here? They seem to be rotating a little bit more between Lankin and now and Subban in these last few games uh, than, say, a month ago when he was really riding Lankin in, uh, pretty much every night. Well, I think when you play a team three times in five days, you're gonna, the other guy's going to get a call. And, you know, Lankin got pulled at the end of Monday night's game after giving up the final goal. And I mean that again, you know, I wasn't a big fan of that because Lincoln was getting no help from the guys in front of him at all. Kalniak left that game early with, with a hip issue after a big hit. And so you're playing without a defenseman, which again, if you don't have other guys that can move the puck, you're way behind the eight ball against that Nashville team. And, you know, pulling your goalie when you're down, that big against that Nashville team just feels like either you're showing up your goalie or you're trying to make a statement after the fact. And that game was decided at that point with all due respect to the comeback that the Hawks last night, Monday night's game was done by the time he pulled Lankin. And so it, it, it didn't show me that he's re- that Carlton's ready for these games. If you're going to pull your goalie at that point, you're not telling your skaters to get off their ass and do the job better. You're just yanking the guy. So motivational tactic, failure, uh, putting a guy in a position to succeed. Subban came in and made nine saves you know, to close that game out. Okay, I assume Subban was going to get one of the three. He looked great. He pitched a shutout against Detroit over the weekend. 
So, yeah, he's absolutely played well enough to get some ice time. I still feel like Lankinen's earned the number one spot on the depth chart. Subban has been a viable backup for most of this season. And what you're seeing is a viable backup do his job in a big game. So, you know, I understood why they went with Subban last night. It made sense in the three-game set. You'll probably see him alternate against Carolina. Now, if Subban gets two of the three against Carolina, you get, we've got a conversation that needs to be had. Okay. Uh, but I still feel like Lankinen's the number one, and Subban was just getting his night out of the three. Uh, Subban, based on his performance last night, may get the third against Nashville. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But, again, I, I, I think the way that Carlton is playing with his lineup right now is not necessarily putting guys in the best position to succeed. And if you want to crank up a goalie controversy with nine games left in a season when you're chasing the playoffs, <laughs> I'm not sure that that's going to help the, help the team you know, crank it up for the final nine and try and make a run to overcome two teams either. So, Tab, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny talking about Carlton and, and the Hawks uh, this year, you know, and a young team and, and, you know, look, a young new coach too. It's a, you know, even here uh, in New York with the Rangers, uh, you know, as far as their play and, and their, you know, the way they're made up and built with a mix of young guys and a couple of veterans, obviously. But again, a, a third year coach behind the bench who, uh, you know, in certain games against certain coaches maybe gets a little outcoached or you know he's it's almost like you got to evaluate him too these are experiences for him too in terms of the decision making and obviously here what you're talking about in terms of uh who's in your lineup or how you're using these guys and, and where they are in the season you know so maybe at the end of the season here if they don't make it they all sit back and they you know he's got to got to evaluate be evaluate himself uh, and evaluate the decisions he made too. So, I mean, in, in this in this type of a season, the way it's been set up and the way it's playing out right now, I guess they have to see that's that's some part of it too, as far as you know, Carlton's job here and and how he's managing. This is his kind of his first go around as well. It it is absolutely it is. Um, but I think you'd like to see again the the idea of him coming in was to work well with the young guys, and I haven't seen a lot of that this year. So little bit of concern on that end. And the other thing I think that that's a different dynamic this season is, you know, last year the Blackhawks got off to an atrocious start and some of the veterans went in and told him, look, you know, th- we play this style better. Let us do our thing and we'll see what happens. And that's when the play started to improve. Uh, I think we can't underestimate what the loss of Jonathan Taves in the room has meant this year, because that's a leadership voice that may have had enough weight in the room to perhaps steer the ship a little bit differently this year. Um, And, you know, last night, I think the biggest news for the Hawks, even including the comeback win was, you know, Darren Drager between the second, third period of the national broadcast, said that Jonathan Taves' health is improving and the hope and expectation is that if he continues to improve at the, on the path that he is right now, that he'd be able to rejoin the team for next year, which would be huge for a team that, again, exceeding expectations this year, but adding that leadership and ability back in the room would just be a complete game changer for the Hawks. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, look, it, there is an element of Jeremy Carlton exceeding expectations this year. But I'm getting the feeling down the stretch here that he's almost playing with house money because they've cr- just completely outplayed the expectations going in. And 
if if you're playing with house money and you're this close to a playoff spot and you're going to roll out lineups that aren't going to effectively compete, you're doing yourself and the team that you're coaching a disservice. And that's, that's I think, the biggest issue that I have is he's a young coach. He should not feel like he's playing with house money because he's had a good 80% of the season. He should be pushing his chips all the way in and trying to even further exceed expectations. And the lineup that he put on the ice last night felt complacent to me. And that that's a tough sell when he was brought in to replace Quinville and be different. And the knock on Quinville was that he rolled the old dogs until they couldn't go anymore. And that's what we're seeing out of the young coach now. Hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. And I guess this weekend, see if he changes things up. Maybe it was, uh, he won't go back to that. But I get it, man. Great points, Tab, on, on everything, especially in terms of how to how to look at it. And, and again, in a very, you know, it's been a unique season for a lot of teams here, and, and Chicago, no doubt, one of them in terms of, uh, you know, how they've exceeded and, and, and how things are developing and how the future looks and, and all around that with a, a new coach and, um, you know, young coach, I should say, in a, in a very tough division. And, and, and why don't we swing uh, over to that here, too. Last couple of things before I let you go, Tab. And, and let's talk about this division right now with about 10, 11 games left. Uh, and we talked about Dallas uh, creeping in here. And uh, you, you, you mentioned winning four in a row, 50 points now, two behind the Preds, a point ahead of uh, Chicago. Uh, a couple of big games as far as the top three tonight. Um, Bolts have a game against uh, Blue Jackets. They should probably grab those two points. Stars are playing the Wings. They'll probably grab those two points. And then the Canes are playing the Cats uh, tonight, too. Just um, – I mean, it's, it looks like it's pretty much set up there on the top three, and we'll just we'll all be hanging out with the popcorn here to see what happens with uh, who gets the fourth spot. Your take. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, look, Carolina tied with Florida at the top of the division. Two games in hand on Florida, I think, it, and they've got those three against the Blackhawks coming up. So I think it sets up pretty well for Carolina to avoid the Florida-Tampa death match. Uh, in the first round of the playoffs, which will be marvelous to watch because you've got, for my money, the two best coaches in the division, two of probably the three or four best in the NHL, in Quinville and Cooper. Um, and Tampa's kind of limping down the stretch here. Uh, you know, they're 5-5-0 five, five and oh in their last 10. Um, so I think those, but again, there's a 10-point gap between Tampa and fourth. So I think, for Tampa, they know what it takes. If there's a coach and a team that can feel complacent, get in healthy, and then do work, it's Tampa. And, you know, there may be a Kucherov sighting between now and yeah. that first round. So you got to keep in mind that they're getting back one of the elite players in the entire National Hockey League potentially here also. So, you know, Florida made some big moves at the deadline. Sam Bennett's paid immediate dividends. He looks terrific down there. Quinville just got another horse to run with. So I would not want to play Florida in these playoffs at all. Um, and, you know, they're going to they're gonna have to make, get after it while they can here because, again, Carolina's got those two games in hand. But Dallas, I mean, look, four in a row. They've got three games in hand on Nashville. They're only two points back. We have talked this entire season about the assumption that Dallas would be the four seed. And the expectation that Dallas would figure their you-know-what out at some point and sneak into that four spot. And we, we've joked at their expense the whole season. And look, it, some of it's been joking. Some of it's been very serious about the COVID crap that they put up with it early in the year and then 
you know, the awful weather that cost them a couple. Like, they, they're making up games, and they're playing a lot in a short stretch here. But if you talk to guys in the league, they'll tell you that when you're playing well, you want to play the next night. You want to keep the good times rolling. And if Dallas was struggling, this mountain of games to play in a short window would have felt like an insurmountable mountain. So, but them playing really well, yeah. having more games on the schedule may actually benefit the Dallas Stars because it looks like they've figured it out. And that role that we've been desperately waiting for the whole season has finally showed up. So here comes Dallas. Watch out. Uh, I don't know that Dallas has the guns to, to beat Carolina in a series in the first round. Uh, I don't know that Nashville does either. But you're going to have a really exciting final three weeks here with Dallas now certainly in the mix. The Blackhawks aren't going away, but again, they've got their issues to deal with internally. So I think Nashville, Dallas, and Chicago are going to put pressure on each other down the stretch here. And with Dallas finishing the regular season with a couple against the Blackhawks, that ships up to be critical for both of those teams with where they want to end up. So there's a lot to watch. It's really exciting. I love, again, I love the way that the NHL tweak things this year to make it entertaining down the stretch. Almost every division has got that four spot up for grabs and some drama up top. So it's going to be fun to watch down the stretch here. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see if Tampa, you know, when, if, and when they get Kucherov back and if that helps them to put their foot on the accelerator, because look, they've 17, six and at home, they've got the best home record in this division. So obviously they would benefit from finding a way to catch and pass Florida and having some home ice advantage there. But I like I really, really like what Florida did at the deadline and feel like that front office gave Joel Coinville a roster that he can do a lot of damage with. I would not want to play Florida. Yeah, a lot of experience there. The big guys. So stock up on those cigars and those rocks glasses and get ready because we're going to be here for it at THS. And hopefully the Hawks can hang on there, buddy. Some fun times in uh, Chicago. Keep the good times rolling. You know? Hold on loosely and don't let go. (laughs) Oh, look at you with the 38 special uh, drop there. I love it. Tab, you're the best as always. Great take on the Hawks. Really good stuff there. And, uh, yeah, like you said, too, every division in the league right now is just a ton of fun to watch. And we'll see how it goes. But we'll be here for it. So, buddy, thanks, man. Have a great, safe weekend. We'll catch you back here next week, pal. Be good. Watch some hockey. All right. Tab Amber, ladies and gentlemen. Great city, Chicago. Hawks in Central Division. Always good stuff with Tab. The THS rolls on! All right, it's time to head on up to the Great White North in the beautiful city of Montreal and talk some Habs and the Great North Division, or the Canadian Division as we call it here at THS. And welcome aboard our good buddy, Mr. Costa. Papalias Costa, what's going on, brother? How are you today? I'm doing good, Paul. You know, the sun's out. We got, I'd say, about three inches of snow, and then it all melted away, and it's hockey weather, man. <laughs> what is going on up there, man? Joe was oh, telling yeah. me they got a little snow in Buffalo, too. I mean, when do you guys oh, yeah. actually officially know it's it's summertime and you can go swimming up there? Um, I'll get back like, back to you on that after I figure it out, after living in this country for 49 years, because I don't know yet. <laughs> too much, man. Hopefully it won't be too much longer. All right, brother. Um Never a dull moment up in Montreal, but two and two in the last four. Um, 
<laughs> split two here with the Oilers here. Wild game last night. Good stuff. Um, you got a three-game set with the Flames this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and then Monday. Fourth in the division, baby. 49 points rolling. Seven behind the Oilers. Giving the Oilers a scale last night. And uh, eight ahead of the Flames. So you guys are locked in on this fourth spot. So you guys can just coast here the rest of the way, right? Like, stop talking like that, man. You know that's not how the Canadians work. <laughs> how long have you been talking to me? We've been talking for years, man. The Habs, don't, the, the Habs find a way. They're almost like Toronto, right, <laughs> to make it interesting, at least. You know, the Habs will probably get into the playoffs. So that I won't disagree with. But, you know, they'll, they'll find a way to make it interesting and make the entirety of Habs Nation sweat before it's actually all said and done. And, you know, you're talking about where they are in the standings, you know. Calgary's like like what now eight points behind three games set against them if they end up losing two out of the three guess what Paulie it becomes interesting oh, not only geez. that but Vancouver's come back from their COVID thing they've won two since they came back and you know <laughs> dramatic fashion the first one you know 40 games in hand Four, yeah exactly right <laughs> you know they've got games in hand coming out of their ears and you know and, and, and then you got the Habs who you know you've got you know the media speculating that Shea Weber's mad at management and not talking and players are making comments and you know all kinds of stuff and you know between that and robin laner losing his mind because he can't get a vaccination all's good in the world allen or price who do you go with i mean oh man oh but price I mean- is injured man there's no way i i, I and, and, and there's one thing right and, and this is what came up the other day everybody talking about shea weber right just to get into that right away yeah tell it, me it, about weird. what's going on man well, the other day when the Habs played the Oilers, uh, you know, uh, Connor McDavid took a run at Philip Deneau as he got to the bench. When Deneau hit the ice, basically Weber skated over towards the bench and then skated away. And then Josh Anderson came in and, you know, gave McDavid a little bit of the business. And it rubbed a lot of people in the media the wrong way. Like, you know, the captain, you know, mountain man, as they call him everywhere, should be a little bit more, you know, in tune with defending his teammates. So one of two things tells me either he doesn't like Philip Deneau at all or, you know, there's something going on there behind the scenes that we don't know about mm-hmm. because that's not who Shea Weber is. You know that. I know that. The city of Nashville knows that. Shea Weber's a team guy through and through. If something's bothering him and he just chooses not to talk to the media about it and he keeps it internal, that's up to him as the captain to do. God knows that, you know, we we as media complain about cliches nonstop. Sound bites suck because guys say the same thing over and over again, right? Yes, well, do. Shea Weber basically did the same thing the other day and didn't want to answer why he turned away. And so he didn't throw anybody under the bus. He didn't throw himself under the bus. He just said, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going home. And that's basically what the, the press conference was. And, you know, the Montreal media lost their minds. That's what happened there. And by the way, he played his best game of the season last night against the Oilers, bar none. So, you know what? What's done is done. Let's move forward. How much time does Shea have left in Montreal? What's his contract at? I think he's still got four years left. All right. If I'm not mistaken, at $7.8 million a year. Mm. And so, you know, everybody's like, yeah, it was a mistake to trade him for PK. And you know what? They could very well be right. But, you know, 18 months ago, people were saying, ah, you know, we got the best of the deal. 18 months later, you know, the wind shifts. People, you know add more fiber to their diets and all of a sudden it's Weber's fault that, you know, he's not playing well. And, you know, PK Subban's getting a few more points than he is in, 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 in New Jersey. It's like, okay, guys, you know what? This is the game of hockey. There's ebbs and flows throughout people's careers and seasons, you know, from the sophomore slump to I'm getting too old for this game. Give me a break. Just get it over with. And there's mistakes that have been made along the way, whether you want to look at Weber not having the right partner at his side or, you know, he being overused, 
Have there been mistakes? There have been mistakes throughout, whether it's the organization, the player, whatever. Get past it. Move forward. Because if you don't, it it's a recipe for disaster. Got take uh, Costa. Any I mean any any significant change since the coaching change as far as Weber in terms of no. You know, I, no, I, I, you and I touched on this early in the season, if you remember, right? When we were saying, you know, you know, what do you do with, you know, you got these breaks and what do you do with Weber and blah, blah, and the depth and the taxi squad. And I told you, use the guys in the taxi squad to give some of your veterans a break. Well, the Montreal Canadiens didn't do that, right? And that, therein lies the problem. Right now, you're in the toughest stretch the Canadiens are going to have in the entire season with, you know, what, I forget what the number is. I think it's like 20 games in 26 days or whatever the case is. Some stupid number, you know, that are all compressed into one month. And so Shea Weber is, you know, he's an older guy. He's not young anymore from a hockey perspective. I'm one to talk. I'm 49, for Christ's sake. But, you know, from a hockey perspective, he's long in the tooth. So those guys that you know are going to give you quality minutes but can't give you as many as they used to, you got to cradle them a little bit. You know, he may have been able to give you 22 a few years ago, and now he's giving you 15. But you know those 15 minutes that he can give you are going to be quality minutes. So you got to manage those minutes for the older players. You know, you look at and, and historically you look up and down lineups, right? That you, whether it was Andre Markov who was here in Montreal or guys like Scott Stevens or whatever the case may be. Eventually, guys lose mobility. Their timing is off. You know, uh, training becomes harder in the offseason. I mean, I was just listening to Ray Ferraro the other day. He said the only reason he retired is because he tried to train in the summer. He said, screw this. I'm not doing it anymore. Right. So. That's basically it. You get older, your body starts to wear, and all of a sudden you can't play to the same level that you did when you originally started. Anybody that trades for a player thinking he's going to be the guy that got drafted originally and he's going to play that same type of game is dreaming in color. I don't care what player it is. For Wayne Gretzky, could could have been that guy, and that's not the case. 20 years into his career, right, just before he retired from the Rangers, you wouldn't expect Gretzky to get 200 points, would you? The same holds true for somebody, the same holds true for somebody like Weber. You know what I mean? He's not the same defenseman. He can't move as quickly. He doesn't skate as fast, you know, and his his ability to replace isn't as quick as he used to be. So what does that come down to? He makes bad decisions on the ice and it leads to goals. Guy with a fresher mind may play a little bit better. If he's not as fatigued, he may play a little bit better, but you won't know that until you make the adjustments necessary to give him the proper time to rest. They haven't done that. Give him a game. Give yeah. him two. Put somebody on the taxi squad there that you know you can play that position. Move Jeff Petrie up in the lineup and dress, I don't care, dress howdy duty as your sixth defenseman or play five. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter so long as you give the player the rest. And that's that, that, that's essentially it. And you're going to see a better player through through and through. Simple as that. All right, Costa. So on that note, in, in, in terms of Ducharme here and coaching this team and being eight points ahead, and let's say you guys get through this Calgary series here and – you take two out of three or whatever the heck it is, and then you kind of where where do you see the, the, the this lineup right now, and probably Allen being your guy in the Nets here going forward as far as shaping up, you know, uh, to make the playoffs and against the top three teams here. Um, how do you how do you feel the guys played in that game last night as far as emotional or tactically or um, you know any anything you want to take out of that? But in terms of how these guys might match up uh, in the mix here um, with Ducharme. Halfway through the season here, developing his system team. What, 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 let's just put the Habs in the playoffs right now. And do, do you think um, Ducharme's got a good unit here to cause a little trouble in a seven game series? Uh, or, uh, you know, where's your confidence level? They proved it last night. 
in that game they played against Edmonton. It, it's what we characterize as a character win. They went out there. They were physical. They played well. You know, they may have made a couple of mistakes defensively, whatever the case may be. Every team does when they're that physical in a hockey game. But at the end of the day, the team's character came through and they won the hockey game. That's the important part. And last night's game was a litmus test as far as what the Montreal Canadiens can do during the playoffs. They did it yesterday. They proved it against one of the most high-powered teams and offenses in the league. And two of the best players in the National Hockey League, McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl. So if you're, that's there, and you can get those guys off their game the way the Montreal Canadiens did last night, and you can come away with you know with a split with Edmonton, and now you're going into that series against Calgary. And you and I both know that Calgary, you know, they've got their offensive skill, but they're also a physical team up front. Whether you're looking at Sean Monaghan or you're looking at Milan Lucic, there's some bodies up front that can crash and bang, along with guys like Johnny Hockey that can put pucks in the net. So if that's the case, and you know you can get physical, if you can do that during 60 minutes against guys in the back end like Mark Giordano, and you can pepper the goaltender in Markstrom, you're going to get have success. Just make sure you get traffic in front. And it comes down to that hockey 101 talk that we have almost every show. Make sure you control the mid-ice lane. If you control the mid-ice lane and you have traffic in front of the net, and you make sure you keep the traffic away from your own net, you're going to have success. That's what they did last night. They had success against Edmonton. All they got to do is stay consistent. And if they do that, they're going to come away with at least a couple of wins against Calgary. But because this team has been so Jekyll and Hyde as far as their performances is concerned, that is kind of what makes us think, "Mm, are they going to be able to do it? Nobody knows except for the people in that locker room. Yeah, and, you know, obviously they got to play the games here, these last 10 games. We got to see how it rides out, you know, as far as where the playoffs, you know, end up and who ends up playing each other. But if we were to kind of look at what things are going on right now, and maybe we can switch into the division here just a little bit. And that's, you know, as far as the Leafs, um, you know, last five games stinking up the joint. I know they got a couple of overtime loss points there. Uh, obviously embarrassing losing to the Vancouver. No disrespect to them, but those guys hadn't even put skates on for about a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with all the moves and the changes and, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, uh, the character of, uh, you know, the Leafs and, and you know, the, the high price guys and stuff like that. And so the, the jury's still out on the Leafs because they still have this obvious ability to just let everybody down no matter how much talent they have. And we can chalk up to the point what we've talked about as well. And it's different in the North Division, too. Not only the different type of schedule, it's uh, games every other night, but you guys also have the traveling factor up there in the North Division. Um, so. You know, the, the Leafs are beatable is what I'm getting at. Um, you know, Edmonton, yeah. too, playing very well. Totally you guys, if you, if you guys, the way you guys played last night, emotional, tough, physical, you can put those guys off. And as far as I'm concerned, McDavid, God bless him. He's incredibly talented. But somebody hit him already, you know? Yep. Take him out. You know, use the body and you can eliminate these guys. So then you got Winnipeg. You got the Jets, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, with Montreal getting in and this probably being the setup, I, you know, you guys have the ability and from what you're saying here, and, and you're right, man, it, it comes down to the guys in the room on the ice, um, but I don't think the Habs would necessarily be a pushover in, in any round of, uh, you know, series against any of these three teams, the way things have kind of panned out here in the last week or two. Well, you take, I asked Pittsburgh what kind of a pushover the Habs have been. Because exactly. if anything, the Penguins will tell you that the Canadians are their Achilles heel in the playoffs whenever they face them. Whether it was, you know, when the Canadians made that run to the conference final going through Washington and Pittsburgh, or whether it was just last season when they took them out in the play-in series. Okay. Montreal 
steps up their game when they hit the playoffs. And that's what character teams do. Teams that have that have that give a damn level in their game. And that's what you have with the Jets. And that's what you have in Montreal. You don't have that with Edmonton. You don't have that with with with, uh, with Toronto. And when you're talking about that win the other night between Vancouver and Toronto, where, you know, Bo Horvat, the captain, scores two, including the overtime winner. The bottom line in that game was is that you look at it and who wanted it more? Vancouver wanted it more. And you could tell from the way they celebrated when, when Horvat scored that overtime goal. You don't see that kind of celebration during a regular season game for the most part. His team came out of possibly the worst situation any team has had to deal with since COVID started in the National Hockey League. And here they are coming out on top against one of the best teams in the National Hockey League from a talent perspective. There's a lot to be said there. You know, and, and, and that all comes down to the guy behind the bench. Because if you remember, before these guys came back, Travis Green was on the phone calling every player, how is it? How are you doing? Do you need anything? And this had nothing to do with the organization telling him to do it. This was the former player calling his players to make sure that everybody was okay. Mm-hmm. That speaks volumes. So you've got character behind the bench, and you know you've got character on it. So now you know that team, no matter what, they're going to play for each other. They'll bleed out if they have to on the ice to win a hockey game. That's what makes Vancouver so dangerous now. Whereas a team like Toronto, they haven't faced any adversity. The only adversity they face is their own. They have all, like they're going to blow this, aren't they? Talent coming blow. out of their ears. They're going to blow it again, Costa. I know they are. They've got talent coming out of their ears, man. But they have no backbone. That's the problem. And what's the deal? Felino, has he played yet? He hasn't been able to play? What's the story there? No, he's had, he's had to pass that seven-day quarantine, so he hasn't been able to play yet. And what's, can I ask you if we can just, for one second here, a non-hockey thing, and it doesn't have this is more, not political, but um, what's going on in Ontario? With What's what's happening up there? I mean, it's it's wild now for us down here in the States, especially in the Northeast. You know, mm-hmm. I can't, I'm not going to speak for the South and the Midwest, and it, it, like we... we we don't joke, but it pretty much is like every state in the United States now is its own country or every region now as far as, you know, how they've handled COVID in a different way and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. But, you know, to, to hear down here, especially in the news and the, and the news feeds here, I'm, I'm seeing how bad it is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you just kind of give me and maybe some of the listeners here like an idea of what's actually going on in, the tire, on, in Ontario? And, and could this possibly affect anything with hockey? You know, not that that's important. But I'm just kind of curious from afar if you could just give me a little feedback on that. Well, we, we, we've already heard a few things about the hockey side, but we won't talk about that just yet. I mean, when you look at it from a, from a personal perspective, right, where, where you're talking about the people that live in the different cities, right? I, when you look at Toronto, you're talking about a geographic area that has the most per capita people in there than any other city in, in Canada. Okay. Okay. Montreal's got two and a, three and a half million people living in in on the island and on the outskirts that's a, a drop in the bucket when it comes to the gta the greater toronto area right so there's a lot of people condensed in a small geographic area your ability to be able to control something like this pandemic is limited unless you put in very stringent like rules and ontario's tried like the, even now you know they put in um you know, they've got the border crossings between Quebec and Ontario being monitored. You know, they've got a stay-at-home order out. And you're starting to see the numbers start to drop. But that's because you're telling people stay home, mm-hmm. right? But you can't do that forever. And you saw that down in the States where the economy almost crashed because, you know, nobody was doing anything. And that's what's happening here is, like, they don't want the economy to suffer like that. They, 
Canada can't afford to, right? Mm. So now you've got to keep things moving. So in order to keep things moving, you got to have kids in school. Well, when you have kids in school, kids in school are asymptomatic for the most part from what we've learned. Okay, so they're the ones that are transmitting from person to person. So you go from the kids to the teachers, teachers to their contacts and family, immediate family, and then all of a sudden you've got a little bit of a, 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 a of, of an internal pandemic happening right in your own little backyard. The problem is that schools, and you know this, New York's got some of the oldest schools in the, in, in the U.S. The schools don't have the ability to have new ventilation systems because of the way they were built almost 100 years ago, yeah. right? You know, you've got uh, asbestos-sealed walls, so you can't drill through them. You can't add new vents. You can't add new ventilation. So you've got poor air quality. Poor air quality leads to what? It leads to transmission. You know, it doesn't matter how much physical this thing, thing you do. If the, if the, the, if the, the airborne is there, you're done. And that's what's happening in Ontario. People are staying too close together. They're ignoring all the orders out there, you know, and this is primarily in the Toronto area. We're not even talking about Ottawa. We're not talking about where I work in Hawkesbury. I mean, we're talking Toronto yeah. and the outlying areas. People just don't care. I mean, I, I, I personally, I went to, uh, to Toronto maybe about nine months ago to go take care of something. Right. And I was staying in an area called Richmond Hill. Stopped in Markham to go to Walmart. I had heart palpitations walking into the Walmart over there, man, because people were walking in. They weren't, you know, sanitizing. Nobody was checking temperatures. Uh, you know, people were just grabbing carts, running off, not wearing their masks properly. It was, it was, it was hell. And then there's a sign that says the capacity of this store is, and there was no way they were even close to that or below it. They were well over that. So, you know, you look at those things. If you're not going to enforce the rules you're going to put in, yeah, you're going to have the numbers that you have right now. And that's the bottom line of what's going on in Ontario. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I, I'm, you know, I live in New York. I live on the island. The island is a little more spaced out. You know, we've been able to do a lot more out here um, because, you know, that's what I was trying to understand, like what Toronto is. When you look at New York, New York City and the out of five boroughs here, it's the same mm-hmm. thing. It's a lot of pe- population condensed. So they mm-hmm. really have to shut things down, and I think everything we did here in New York is getting us further and further. I mean, uh, New York City now has just gotten below, I think they're down to 3%, 3% on cases. So it's been a long year, but that was a big part of getting there was, was actually just everybody doing their part. It wasn't easy. Uh, right. A little easier for us. We've had more leeway out here in the island and the upper states, obviously, and uh, Westchester and beyond. But that pocket there, you know, New York City, obviously, the population – and the high rises and the buildings and you know all that stuff, uh, how it's uh, uh, geographically built, where people live and everything else, and that's where the main concentration is. And now the fact that those numbers are actually down now, just here over a year later, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a testament to everybody you know pulling together. And it is harder, and I think a lot of people don't understand that in other states where it's wide open and open air, and there's a lot of distance between you know uh, towns and villages and cities and stuff like that you can see it's not so much of an issue but you know I was just sitting here costing I appreciate your time on it because I wanted to understand how that was working up there and um, you know as far as because what we've been through and then what you guys are going through locally so I appreciate that man yeah, no worries man then you were asking from the hockey perspective right that there's been talks up here that like there's going to be a bubble down it you know well didn't south they just the cancel one of the leagues a couple of the leagues are getting canceled right they, they, they did they, well they just canceled the uh, the women's world championship up in Halifax right? right so like there's there's a worry wow right so you know it, it, the bottom line is you know if they're going to establish a playoff bubble go ahead and do it I don't care if it's south of the 49th there's nobody watching the games in Montreal anyway which is what I couldn't understand. 
Like, you know, if, if they would have turned around and they would have created a four, like even if this was down, you know, in the States, right, where they created four different divisions, Northwest, Southwest, Northeast, Southeast, you're done. Everybody's got their own little bubble. Everybody plays within that bubble. And then you've got your four different divisions. You can go into the playoffs and not have to worry about it. But for some reason, the National Hockey League decided, you know, no, we want the Canadian teams playing in Canada, which to me made no sense, mm-hmm. even from the get-go. You know, just the same way all other teams in the U.S. came up to Canada for the two-city bubble. Yeah. You can find four cities in the U.S. You can play hockey games in nonstop like that. You know that. I know that. So do yeah. it. And then, you know, keep it all, you know, encompassing. Keep everybody, you know, close together. Give the players the vaccines that they could become available. I don't care if they're Canadian. I don't care if they're European. I don't care if they're American. Protect your assets. Take care of them. Get it out of the way. Move forward. The NHL didn't do that. And that's why they're seeing all these problems now. The players are starting to speak up. Whether it's JT Miller or it's Leonard who spoke up yesterday after their game. Yep. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, they're starting to feel that mental frustration that the rest of us have felt forever. And it's understandable. So if they bring down the bubble and they bring it down to the U.S. and they play the games in the U.S., for Canadian teams, no harm, no foul, because we're not going to watch the games anyway. True. True, man. It's uh, unique times, no doubt about it, man. I just hope things turn around up there as it's, it's beginning to start turning around down here in the States and hopefully uh, all of us together as a as a world can get through this here and uh, and move forward. But anyway, Kostaman, thanks as always. Great stuff, uh, you know, on the halves here. And I, I think, if anything... Uh, we're going to have some uh, fun stuff to continue to talk about with regards to the, the you know, the Canadians here. Don't blow it, man. Get in there. If you, I was you know, the they wouldn't. Costa out of, uh, you know, the Sabres with Joe, uh, Steve-O with the Devils here on the show, me with the Rangers, and Tab with Chicago. The Habs are looking like you guys are going to be your own representation of being in the playoffs this year. You got you got to do with this. Right, listen, man, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. <laughs> We'll get Plus all five of us all at the same time so they don't get jealous and we'll all talk about the Habs all at once. How's that? <laughs> oh, that'll be great. It'll be uh, that, <laughs> that Montreal hockey show. I'll have to get some uh, rights, though, from you, though, right? From no, I've got it, man, so don't worry about me. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff as always, brother. Stay safe and healthy, man. Enjoy the weekend. We'll uh, get back to you next week. Thanks so much, Costa. You got it, brother. Take care. Costa Papalias, ladies and gentlemen, from the great city of Montreal. Talking some Habs. And that North Division. Ooh, it's getting interesting. And THS, well done! All right, it's that time to head on out to the left coast, the west coast, the best coast. Well, it all depends who we are. Well, either way, we're going to hang out with our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo. We're going to talk some uh, recently officially eliminated New Jersey Devils from the NHL playoffs and that great Western Division. Steve-O, what's up, brother? Welcome back to THS. Holly, a pleasure to be here. Happy to be here, whatever. And, you know, let's let's gloss over the fact that you mentioned the Devils were eliminated. Uh, <laughs> doesn't change the fact that I'm still happy to be here with you, buddy, as always. No, I, I mean, I, I didn't bring up the last four games yet. <laughs> uh, we're still friends. We're still friends. Hey, man, look, it's 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 a learning year. It's all good, man. It's... I, I only say that for technical reasons. We have to do that here on that hockey show. We have to remind everybody who's been eliminated from the play. I did it with Joe. Sabres are out. And I'm, I'm yeah. telling you right now, there's a good chance maybe next Thursday you'll be able to turn around and say the New York Rangers have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. Oh, we can only hope. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Yeah, it's it was a rough week for the Devils. Uh, 
uh, it's been a rough couple weeks for them. That series with, with the Rangers, that was supposed to be like the, the kind of the highlight of the season, a chance to kind of, you know, give the business to the, the crosstown rivals, but they ended up giving us the business. Uh, although the Devils were able to make it interesting, you know, I was really, really impressed with what the Rangers were able to do, the way they moved the puck around in the power play. And I was telling you, you know, that that is what I would like the Devils to look like in a couple of years. They, you know, the Rangers are coming along nicely. And uh, obviously the Devils have a lot of work still to do, but it was uh, definitely a humbling experience. But you know, I think the beating was so bad that even the Rangers fans were taking it easy on the Devils fans on social media. I didn't see the the crazy bashing that you would usually see. I think it was more of like a pity party than anything. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe the Ranger fans have become more mature in their old age. No, that's a whole lot of crap. No, um, <laughs> I think it's just diff- it's different times, I guess, Steve, maybe. um. Yeah, there's fans back in the buildings here, but it's, it's not the same way. And I think if, if you are a smart Ranger fan, you know, there was no way that was going to be a gimme every game. You know, the Rangers right. kind of, they, they played well. All their 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 assets kind of turned around and did the right thing, at least through the first three games. And then the Devils kind of made it a little tough there, actually in the third and the fourth game. And then the Rangers were brought back down to earth there against the Islanders on, on uh, Tuesday night, yep. you know, getting blown out. So, I mean, yeah, the Rangers went out. They did what they were supposed to do as far as their situation right now in terms of trying to get into the playoffs. Now, they've already made enough mistakes during the course of their season where, yeah, they had to put themselves in a situation, Steve, where they basically they had to win those games. They had yeah. to do it. So there was that's a different kind of uh, adage on it. And the fact that the Devils, you know, they they rightfully so. They, they stripped their team down. They, they know where they're going, their direction. So the guys went out there and played uh, to the best of their abilities. And if they won, great. And if they lost. But as far as the rivalry, I, I think you nailed it. I think you're right. Uh, that wasn't there because I think Ranger fans kind of knew, hey, we ain't, we ain't all that. Right. Right. But, you know, I, I, I think that it's interesting um, just kind of looking the way the way it things kind of played out obviously yes it was a very stripped down uh devil's team and um you know the, the rangers are an up-and-coming team and you know the, the there isn't that vitriol and that hate because the, the teams aren't really playing for anything any championships or divisions or i mean i guess it's more or less regional bragging rights but at this point that that means nothing to any of these fan bases it's more about you know getting into the playoffs and being successful so yeah i I, I think that you're you're probably right there. The the Ranger fans, you know, they 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 did what they had to do, but it's just probably not going to be enough. And both these teams are just going to continue to to build off this year, and hopefully these next couple of seasons, the games start to mean more and have more uh, importance on you know the teams as far as in the standings and making postseasons and stuff. Right now, all the Devils are really thinking about is uh, per, you know draft percentage and how many balls are going to get in the lottery and i'm i'm quite frankly i'm sick of dealing with that every every summer but that's <laughs> <laughs> well now let's stay on your positive vibes from last week man i mean this is you know look if you can if you can look at how and we talked about this brother we talked about how you know the rangers the islanders and the devils now as far as the next five six years um you know building towards successful uh you know um accomplishments in, in all different areas, whether it's bringing in new talent, you still got the, you got the expansion draft next year. You got free agency coming up. Um, you know, we, you, we've raved about the job Fitzgerald's done here as far as man on the board there and, and the team and, and Lindy Ruff, uh, getting a hold of things. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I guess on that side, I, I, I don't think the devils are ever going to be that kind of an organization where they're going to dip 
and and just dive for like six, seven seasons. I just don't see that happening. I think the Devils can be even competitive next year. Um, you know, as far as where their goaltending is and their young offensive prospects, and uh, and and yeah. if it, we'll see what happens with Subban if he stays here, if if he doesn't, whether it's one more season or two more seasons. And you know, if we all do get back to you know, I know I, I know they're talking about um, the NHL starting here in October, full season, full schedule, back to normal divisions. It's different, and I, I, you know, I brought this up, and I'm, I'm going to throw this back to you too. I brought this up in my Ranger show the other night. You know, with Pittsburgh, the Islanders, um, Washington, and let's say the Flyers. You know, those four teams, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. older guys on those teams. There's a lot of yeah. miles on those skates, and definitely in the Caps, and, and maybe the Isles, and certainly Pittsburgh. You know, they they made the changes in the front office, and Sydney's getting a little older, and Malkin too, and everything else. I don't think it's necessarily going to be as hard of a challenge in the next two years because those three teams, you have to feel they're going to tail off a little bit or at least come more down to ground. What's your take on that in terms of how the division's going to pan out after this season? You know, I, I think that's a, that's an excellent point. I think, you know, we've talked about the, the NHL becoming like a younger man's league where, you know, you reach 33, 34 years old. Where not, that might not be old, but in, in the NHL, that that's almost seems like a dinosaur. You looked at it the other night with uh, the Devils in Pittsburgh. The Devils fall down 6 nothing to them. And they ended up, you know, just running and gunning in the third period, scoring six goals. It was awesome. On, uh, yeah, it was a great. It was a very entertaining. I mean, I'd never expected. I had actually turned the game off. I had to rewatch the period. But, um, you know, that that's – you could see the young legs – came they came out they were fresher in the third period they they put they they put a lot of pressure on Pittsburgh Pittsburgh made mistakes Jari you know got a little bit rattled there and I I think that to me that kind of signified what you were talking about you know the 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 older teams are are you know in a couple years are they going to be able to hang with these younger faster teams that are playing this up-tempo game where they you know they just push the pace push the pace push the pace I don't care you know, you're 32, 33, 34 years old. It's hard to run and gun with these 22, 23, 24 year old guys. It's not just hockey. It's anything you do. So, you know, I think you you might be right there. I think you might see uh, the division kind of flip a little bit as these, these teams that are, that are transitioning, the Rangers, uh, the Devils, you know, they, uh, even Buffalo with this younger talent, maybe they can start to, you know, supplant some of these older teams as those guys kind of age themselves out of a competitive situation. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at the goaltending for the Devils yep. in uh, Blackwood there, and obviously the Rangers got Shesterkin, and then uh, you figure, you know, Varlamov here is probably going to, you know, hang here for another season or two, but Sorokin looks good too. Mm-hmm. And Philly's got their goaltending issues. I mean, Rask obviously coming back for Boston too, but again, he's older. Um, you know, the Caps, they got a couple of young Russian kids in there too, but, you know, who knows what's happening. I'm just saying there's a, a lot of things that could happen. And then with the division, I mean, Carolina is obviously going to come back. Columbus is obviously going to come back here into the Metro, too. But Columbus yeah. is, uh, is definitely going through a rebuild. And you have to figure, man, Carolina is going to have some hell of a run, you know, as far Oof. as uh, that Central Division and those playoffs, too. So, I don't know. I'm just trying to look at the positive side here for the New Jersey Devils here going forward. I'm, I mean, yeah, it's – I'm trying to keep a positive aspect on it. And you, you look at the development. Yes, the, the Devils are still – they still make it fun. Even if, you know, they're losing every night, it's still, it's still fun. But, you know – then they go and they do the thing where they just kind of blindsided Binghamton and they say, you know, Binghamton has to put the statement out and say, I guess we're not the devil's affiliate anymore. And it's, 
it's just those type of things that are just kind of discouraging when you're in a situation like this where you've got to do everything you can to, to try to keep a fan base or build a fan base, uh, keep fans interested. There was, a, you know, Binghamton, the, the fan base was kind of booming, you know, starting to, to grow. They had a little success last season, and then you go and you blind sign them like that. That, that kind of stuff, is, it kind of puts a damper on things because, you know, th- does the ownership group really have a direction? I know the management of the team has a direction. The coaching staff does. But does the ownership really have a direction as to how they want the team to go and, and develop? And um, I think that's a little bit, you know, puts a little bit of a cloud over, you know, the season, you know, other than the losing and, and that kind of stuff. But Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, too. And I, I mean, if there's, if there's any consolation, Steve, they're not the only, only organization that's going through that. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, there's, right. A, there's other franchises and teams. I mean, the AHL, the ECHL, all the lower divisions right now. I mean, uh, all that stuff. I mean, even just the news that happened the last couple of days with, uh, you know, the women's championships up in, in Ontario. I mean, there's so many, you know, the uh, the whole pandemic issue is one thing. Then the economics of it and then the restructuring and, and how teams now have uh, played out. And you might see, Steve, you know, I think NHL fans have to kind of sit back here because – this 56-game season, mm-hmm. um, how it's been run, you, you, there's probably, there's, they're probably going to take certain things away that they never really did before. They're going to say, hey, look, we were able to do this and eliminate, yeah. eliminate the costs you know, and cut out a lot of things that were in the middle. And, yes, unfortunately, people are going to lose uh, jobs and, and there's going to be some structure changes. But I think we all have to kind of figure out that this, this might happen. I, even even interviewing a couple of local beat writers here that you know, you, you know well, interviewing uh, Brooksy here and, uh, and Carp here with the Rangers and the Athletic and stuff like that, the way they were talking about how they've covered the team this year, not being at the rink, not being in the locker rooms. Will, all being done virtually. Yeah, will, will they maintain that? Who knows? You know, so, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. But look, we, we got to stay positive and and hopefully that'll work out. And, and, and again, I think that the Devils as an organization right now and, and as far as the product, I guess, Steve, maybe it doesn't matter where they're getting the product from and where they're getting developed as long as they are getting developed and the Devils are able to continue to bring in product. I mean, that's that's a good point. I, I guess for me, I just didn't like the way they, they went about it, where the the devils didn't really make a statement. You know, Binghamton had to come out and make a statement. It was kind of like, it was kind of shocking and, and a little bit unprofessional, I guess. I I guess I, you know, we're not really familiar with the inner workings of how it went, but it's just one of those things where you're like, man, we're making some, you know, the marketing team for the devils is fantastic. They do an excellent job. And then you get something like this and it's kind of like, uh, that wasn't, I, you know, I don't like, I don't like the way that, that the optics of that are, but yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. And, you know, let's, you know, as we kind of, hopefully return to some semblance of normalcy. Maybe things will kind of work themselves out and it'll, it'll end up benefiting the league the in both leagues, you know, as, as things kind of restructure in the, in the long run. Yeah. We're going to sit and wait, man. Hey, milk, we probably have to get used to advertising some of the jerseys here in another season too. So a lot of change coming up for all of us <laughs> in, in the game and, and as fans too. So look, Steve, well, let's switch over to uh, the Western division, which we love talking about in West coast hockey. It's uh, all in your wheelhouse. Uh, abs and uh, blues tonight. Our Blues are, uh, you know, having a little fun here. And uh, just a, a point out of the fourth playoff spot here uh, right now as it stands. Been going back and forth here the last week or so. Um, the Knights obviously clinch. Uh, they're the best team in the world, Steve, the Vegas Knights. Yep. First team to clinch. Uh, and you talk about, you know, here we are talking about the Devils, Rangers and Islanders, organization, uh, Binghamton, all that stuff. I mean, here's a, this team just got into the league yesterday. And... <laughs> yeah. They're just um what four or five years in a row now. I mean, 
who are these guys? Yeah. Who do they think they are? They've made it every year, and they they kind of make it look easy. I mean, they've won eight in a row, and you know they've got the uh, their AHL affiliate there in Henderson, like right in the backyard, and they're kind of just doing it all the right way. But you know they they came in with a bunch of money. They were able to the the league kind of made the rules which benefited them with it, and it, it's you know they've kind of taken the ball and run with it. And I, I got to tell you, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, I love the atmosphere there. I uh, think it's interesting what they do with the uniforms. Uh, where are, you on the, pers- where are you on the gold helmet, Steve? Oof. Uh, the C3PO. <laughs> you know, I'm not uh, I'm not super excited about them. Uh, they're kind of a, hard to watch. I thought it was kind of weird that they wore them when Patty Marlowe broke, you know, uh, uh, Howe's record for games played. They had the golden buckets, which, I don't know, it was just distracting to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's still still growing on me there. Still growing on me. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> Yeah, and their uh, their affiliate there, the the Silver Knights, they wear the silver helmets. Silver helmets, yeah. The silver helmets are a little easier to stomach, I think. Uh, not not so uh, overwhelming, but hey, it's Vegas. You got to do it glam. So you know, more power to them. Yeah, more power to them. So look, let's. I mean, the top four there, Vegas, obviously sixty eight points, best in the league. As behind, it's sixty four. Wild at sixty one. Wild wins last night. We we're just talking about Yotes at forty five, and then St. Louis forty four, and Sharks at forty one. Now. The Avs and St. Louis both have games in hand. They're only at 43 games, so that's definitely going to be something that'll swing one way or the other if the Avs take advantage of it in terms of uh, maybe who ends up uh, top of the uh, division. And obviously for St. Louis, our Blues, our Blues, Stevie, uh, the Yotes are in trouble here a little bit, I think, with maybe hanging on to that last spot. Well, you know, it's kind of, you know, that bottom, (laughs) no one wants it. I mean, if you look at their (laughs) last 10, you know, the Yotes have lost two in a row. St. Louis has lost two in a row. Arizona's three and seven in their last 10. St. Louis is three, six and one. The Sharks are even worse at two, seven and one. The The best out of that is the Kings that are, you know, they have four wins over their last 10. So, you know, <laughs> I think the best thing that St. Louis has going for them is the games at hand. Um, because if it kind of waffles back and forth going to the end, that, that will probably, you know, be the deciding factor for them. But like we've discussed before, they have a very tough schedule. Um, you know, uh, Colorado has been off a little bit because of the, the COVID situation there. So it'd be interesting to see how they come out playing. Um, are they going to be rusty? Are they going to come out? You know, we've seen different results when teams come back from a COVID break, they'll come out like, uh, on fire and they'll, they'll play really well, or they'll come out and just be totally flat. So it will be interesting to see. I don't expect a whole, a big dip from, from Colorado, but that's something to look out for. You know, St. Louis is desperate for points right now. And, uh, you know, they've got a really, really tough stretch. Arizona, man, God, they, they've, they've had the opportunity all season to really like, you know, make a name for themselves and, and put, make, you know, make some distance between them and the pack. And they just cannot get over the hump. I, it's, you know, you got to feel for, for the fan base there. I mean, this is a, a good opportunity for them to really solidify themselves and they're just kind of hanging on by a rope and you know, eventually they'll probably end up falling out of that fourth spot. Who are the Arizona? You know, I, it, you know, you can run through, you know, me and you could probably sit down, or I'll just talk from my perspective. You're you're better at it than me. Let's just be honest with you. But, you know, if I was to sit down and we would have all 31 teams in front of us, if there was one team that I would have trouble naming a couple players on, it would be the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, I think that's the other thing, too, as far as, you know, and, and maybe this is also, this is, I think, a huge fault. Um, I don't know. We've talked about it sometimes on, on this show, and I know maybe in years past, but the way the, the league markets or doesn't market their, their teams and their players. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, this is an American team. They, they, um, you know, like I said, they could have a playoff spot. And if you look at the other teams that are in this division with them, big city, Vegas, big city, Denver, Colorado, obviously the Minnesota wild here, St. Louis blues, uh, you know, Stanley cup champion here a couple of years ago. And then obviously the big stars in Cali, which is the sharks, the Kings, and even the ducks, uh, not this year, but in, in years past. And, and the Yotes have obviously dealt with all that stuff with Glendale over the years too. But I mean, who who's on this team, Steve? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. You know? <laughs> All right, so that's just me. <laughs> you know they they have players. You know Kessel and they have players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the problem the problem with Arizona is if you look at them now, the proximity to the California teams. The California teams have always taken the headlines because they're always you know fighting for Stanley Cups or or playoff, and then. You had Arizona had all their issues. You know, they get a lot of buzz when they wear the Kachina jerseys, but their uh, overall their uniform's pretty drab, the brown uniform. They, they play out there in Arizona. Then Vegas comes in and takes all the, you know, the whole thing on Arizona was they play in the desert. No one wants to watch hockey in desert. Then you get Vegas that comes in and everybody wants to see a game in Vegas. Everyone wants that. That team has totally surpassed them as far as the supreme desert hockey team. I think Vegas is, or Arizona is just one of those teams that, you know, you could name all the teams and, and you could get down to that last team and be like, who am I missing? Who am I missing? And it's going to be the coyotes because they're just a team that's very forgettable. Um, there's nothing that stands out about them. Uh, you know, geez, I think if you, if you talk about that coyotes, the first name that comes to mind is Shane Doan and, and he's been retired a couple of years. So yeah, he's no longer uh, with the organization, Steve. <laughs> yeah. But he, that's the name that comes to mind. So um, hey, let's, a, let's have a little fun here, Steve. Let's me and you, okay. Introduce everybody to the Arizona Coyotes. In goal, Darcy Kemper, okay? And then we'll, okay. uh, Hamilton, okay, up front there. Oh, wait, this, he's, uh, yeah, no, he's hey. defenseman. Defenseman, there we go, sorry. Um, how do you say uh, this kid's name? Uh, Chitron? Chitron, he's Chit- another defenseman, right? Yeah. Yep, Schmaltz, Chitron, you got, uh, Schmaltz at center. Okay. Goligoski, uh, can't get him. There you go, you got him, good one. Uh, Keller, right wing. Keller, that's a good one. That's Hayden, a very good Connor. Hayden, center. <laughs> Derek Broussard, ooh, East Coast guy here a couple of years uh, out here on the island in New York. Derek Broussard. Dvorak. To be honest with you, I had no idea Broussard was on. Yep, well, me and you both. See, we're both the guy learning. gets around so much. See, me, you, and all of our THS fans yeah, here, we're all learning together. Uh, now, Ekman Larson, I mean, <laughs> look, a, guy, a great kid, great name. He's just mm-hmm. faded off the, the headlines. It's terrible. Nothing. Yeah, um, yeah that nonsense uh i think he's been injured too but he had the, the whole thing with the summer they're going to trade him or they're not going to trade him they want to be here does not want to be here and uh i think that kind of hurt him a little bit but at least they kept arizona in the headlines you know over the summer but that's kind of faded away there you go number 28 dryden hunt first name dryden that's pretty good left winger um goligoski you mentioned um christian fisher right wing and then we I have think... go ahead I heard a story about the Dryden, that kid Dryden Hunt, who's actually named after Ken Dryden. His first Probably. name, I, I think. If, yeah, I, I would hope so. so. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, Ilya. Uh, you know, I'm bad with names here. Labushkin, Ilya Labushkin, defenseman, six two. There. Um, let's see what Me. else we got here. Um, Jason Demers, defense. Mm-hmm. Jordan. Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't know he was in the league. There you go, Michael Bunting, left wing. Okay. And round things out here. Lawson Krause, left wing. 
Uh, <laughs> Phil Kessel, right wing. You've mentioned him. We're all familiar with him. Uh, Lane Peterson, center. And okay. again, uh, we mentioned uh, Darcy Kemper. And these are the guys who started in the 4-1 loss to Minnesota. And now for a bonus question, Steve, who is the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes and their GM? Uh, Rick Tockett. Nice. Yep. And then the GM is, uh, well, I know it was that guy that, 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 that. this is so awesome. Oh my God. Bill Armstrong. I can't, I can't let you torture. That's the guy they're calling the GM over there right now. And, uh, I know it was the other guy too. Uh, Chaka Chaka was the former guy. Yeah. Yeah, the guy that was. uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, buddy, there you go, man. We got to punch this out to the Yotes fans, man. But it's (laughs) it's the truth, man. It's a shame. Uh, We just have to go through the whole roster. What's interesting is you know being you know going to you know watching the Ducks and the Kings and Sharks. They play the the Arizona all the time, and I see them all the time, and I still have a tough time (laughs) figuring out who's on that team. So I mean. It's got to be tough to be a Coyotes fan. You really hope for the, the fan base that the team can kind of like get more consistent. They've had tons of opportunities to just be a team that consistently can fight for a playoff spot. They just never do anything with it. And like you said, the, the league is not very good at marketing. You look at the NBC package and it's always the same teams. You never get any of these, uh, these uh, you know, se- lower tier or second tier teams or, or, uh, you know, not big market teams. They never get the the exposure that you would would hope for. And I think, you know, some of that falls on Coyotes, and, and I think some of that falls on the league itself. So, uh, it's a very very interesting lesson we went through here today. Yes, no doubt about it. And and you know, the Kraken are going to take over all the headlines oh. next year, and and they look like they've got a phenomenal PR marketing team. The the yeah. even though they stole the Seagram Seven logo, but the colors, the jersey. <laughs> Uh, all the, all the, team, all the uh, everything they got going on. They have the new arena, and I think the other team next year too is, uh, you know, and, and let's for me and you, I don't like to say Islanders and Stanley Cup in the same sentence, but the Islanders have the new building here next year too. So, and if they happen to have a deep run, they're going to be pretty popular next year as well too. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, hopefully, like I said, Steve, things will get back to normal and the normal schedule. We'll get to see it, but um, right. that's our little public relations thing that we just did for the uh, Arizona Coyotes out there. And we hope all of you out there in THS land uh, listening and subscribing to the show appreciate what me and Steve just did for all of you. You're welcome, people out there. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> all right, buddy, last thing before I let you go, uh, we got to talk about Patrick Mall here too. Obviously, you're very familiar with him. Uh, West Coast, tons of years there in the Sharks, obviously, uh, bopping around. But uh, I'm going to shut up. You just say a few words, and then we'll, uh, we'll ride off into the sunset together. You know, um, there's been so much talk about Marlowe. You know, he's just the, the the stats and the numbers that have come up about his lunge, uh, you know, his career and, and, and how long he's played in the league and passing and Gordie Howe. Is he a Hall of Famer? Is he not? I, I think absolutely the guy's a Hall of Famer. He's, he's won everywhere except for winning the Stanley Cup. You know, he doesn't have any big name uh, records, but I think there was, I heard a stat where over the his career, he's missed only 32 games spanning 24 seasons that's insane he's currently on a 900 plus game consecutive streak he has over 500 goals um just a great everybody that's played with him uh, absolutely loves him um you look at the time he spent in toronto austin matthews uh 
cannot say enough good things about him. Uh, he's got so much respect all around the league. You know, you see it uh, against the Kings the other night before he even broke the record at the end of the game, the, the Kings vets came out and, you know, came, shook his hand. You saw that throughout a lot of respect throughout the league. He's just one of those guys. That's a consummate professional. Nobody has anything bad to say about him. Just goes about his business. Um, just a durable, durable player, puts the puck in the net, always has a smile on his face, a uh, family man. He loves him. He's always got his family with him. Uh, just a real, real treat. Uh, you know, he came there. He was the, the man in, in San Jose. Then when Thornton came over in the trade, he, he was not afraid to, to share the team with him. It wasn't his team. It became their team. And, um, you know, just a real, real treat, and a real treasure to be able to watch this guy play throughout his career. Just one of those things that, you know, this record is one that will probably never be broken. Um, and it's just, I'm just glad I got to, to experience it and see it. It couldn't have happened to a better guy. Just a just an outstanding hockey player and um, definitely a Hall of Famer. I don't think there's a debate there. You know, I think, you know, people will, will talk about the merits. He doesn't have any, you know, big awards and things like that. But I think overall his body of work speaks speaks for itself. Well said. Well said, Mr. Plum. I agree with everything. In fact, you know, he reminds me a lot of you. Class act, good guy, family man, uh, dependable, you know, and uh, always always reliable, you know? I mean, the work ethic. I mean, that's just like Steve Palumbo. That is Patrick Marlowe, and it's a pleasure to know you, my friend. I'm the Patrick Marlowe of THS. This yes, is yes, you are. <laughs> Minus your deficiencies, with Arizona Coyote lineups, but then I am also the same way. Now, nah, look, good stuff, man. It, it, what's that? Marlo doesn't have the cup. I don't know the Coyotes, so hey, there we go. We're, there you go. Okay, that's where we come in the middle here at THS. <laughs> All right, good stuff. <laughs> now, nah, well said, man. Look, he's uh, he, he's a, he's a great guy, good player, and uh, I don't I don't I, I, forgive me. I, I he, he's not retiring, is he? I I, I think this is going to be his last season. That's what I don't think. He, uh, yeah. yeah. Because he could play one more and maybe break the record. I mean, you, you, he, well, he could play. I mean, he could play three more years. I, I think he could, he could do that. But I think at this point, he's gotten to the point where, you know, he's, he's accomplished all he could. If the Sharks were maybe a little better, maybe he'd stick around. But I think. Well, why not go play uh, for the Kraken for a year? Break the yeah. record. You play for an expansion team? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I don't know. It's up the road. <laughs> They got some great yeah. craft breweries up there in Seattle. Yeah, they do. <laughs> we'll see, but uh, no, nah, great stuff, Stevie, as always, man. And uh, I knew you were the guy definitely to kind of talk to about, about him and his career, obviously uh, being such a great part of uh, California hockey and, and some great San Jose teams that just unfortunately couldn't get there. And, you right. know, he jumped around a little bit, but we'll always remember him as a shark. And um, and how important he was. He was a great face of that organization, man. Absolutely. I mean, the Sharks, if you think about the Sharks, are just a, a professional organization. He really was a great face for them. So, yeah, couldn't have been a better uh, better guy to represent that team and that organization. Good stuff. Stevie, as always, great take on the Devs. Love talking to you every week. And uh, we're going to keep rolling here through in the playoffs, man. And excited about this Western Division uh, and everybody gunning for the Stanley Cup. Uh, so great stuff. Have a, a great, safe weekend and best of the family. And we'll catch up with you next week, brother. You too, buddy. Take care. Talk to you soon. All right. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen, out there on the left coast, west coast, the best coast, baby, right here at THS talking some Devils and Western Division hockey. And that's a wrap here for THS Week 14. 
the recap. We want to thank all you guys for listening to us each week. Subscribe and download. Make sure you follow us everywhere at That Hockey Show and all the guys, all my teammates here. All right. And for myself, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, Joe Yurden, Tab Bamford, Costa Papalias, and Mr. Steve Palumbo. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the game. Stay safe and healthy. And we'll catch up with you next week. All right. So until then, keep your head up. Good night.